Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? This is Young Lion King Carl Fredericks, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be discussing NJPW vs. Noah at Wrestle Kingdom 16, nights 4 through 7 of the Best of the Super Junior World Tag League Tour, answering listener questions and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate. And click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like Dark Mode improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how are you doing, man? I am doing good. We are coming to you guys late on a Sunday evening, as you're probably aware. This week's Thanksgiving week, so I mean, I got family coming to town. Girlfriend's got family coming to town. I'm sure you've got obligations. So instead of, you know, sullying our busy (laughs) week discussing World Tag League (laughs) and Best of the Super Juniors, we decided to knock it out here on Sunday evening and, uh, you know, kind of just get things rolling. Yeah, this should be a nice, uh, tidy episode here. We've got some big news items to talk about. Of course, we'll give you an update on the tournaments. And, you know, spoiler alert, guys, it's it's been kind of rough, but... You know, we'll give some thoughts on some of the stuff that's gone down this uh, past week. Well, you know, I know that people like to hear us banter and, you know, just kind of bullshit for a little bit here. We don't need to do all that. But how about just in the spirit of Thanksgiving, what's one cool thing that, that, you know, has happened this week or something you could recommend? Just anything quick. 
What, from the tournament? No, from oh. life. Uh, well, I mean... Uh, from your heart, from your soul, <laughs> you know? <laughs> from deep within. Uh, I mean, the, the uh, transition into the, the Donovan Dojo is, is about to, to begin. Well, it actually has begun. Nice. Maybe I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, uh, I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife and uh, five stars, as they say. Really? Oh, absolutely. Highest recommendations. If it's, I don't, I do not understand the critics. It's got like a 67, uh, but the audience scores something like 96%. So kind of tells you something, but uh, yeah, if you are apprehensive or on the fence about watching that one, I'm telling you go watch it. If you like guardians of the galaxy, you'll love Ghostbusters afterlife. Well, I love gardens of the galaxy. So I'll definitely have to check that out sometime this week. Yeah, bro. Go see it in Dolby Digital. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Also, something we'll be doing uh, this week in between holiday stuff is finalizing the ballot for the fifth annual year-end awards. We are hoping to have the ballot uh, available this weekend along with a bonus episode, what we always do every year, where we break down all the categories and the nominees. Yeah. I mean, we would invite Rich to do it with us, but you know that man's a hater yeah he's a (laughs) hater he don't watch new japan you know this man's gonna be talking about kenny omega the whole time so you know it's not gonna work out he's gonna be like why isn't the rest of the year named after kenny omega (laughs) (laughs) uh, to be fair i think he only won it once since we've done the awards yeah because i mean he's only around what two two no he he was on the ballot like three times but he only won it once hmm yeah. The, the LIJ stands are strong. Uh, I think Okada won it. I think it was Okada, then Omega, then, I don't know, Naito should have won it somewhere around there. I don't know. Naito won it last year, I think. I don't know who won it last year. I can't remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Naito. Should have been Shingo. It should have been. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll break all that down, give the nominees on the bonus episode. Ballot should be out this weekend. As always, we want uh, maximum votes as possible. Every year we've done this, we've increased the number of people who have voted. Again, this is open to all listeners, all New Japan fans. So once you make your vote, please go out, share the ballot when it's available. Share it to anybody you know who watches New Japan and get those votes out. Let's get the, the most awards that we've, uh, most votes that we got for awards since we've started this. If one, we want to make this one really big. Yep. And we got a, a question here. MJ does PR. He asked Thanksgiving guys, what are we thankful for this year? As it relates to new Japan, I'm thankful for Shingo Takagi blessing us with quality title reign. Have a safe holiday. Hope you all get to take some time to spend with friends and family. Thank you. Uh, MJ does PR happy or Thanksgiving to you and your family as well. Um, I mean, I, I'm also very thankful for the dragon Shingo Takagi having uh, not just a great tolerance, but it's a, being a great worker and having great matches, carrying the promotion on his back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess the thing I was grateful for this past year was that uh, never open weight six man tag team reign from chaos. So it just fucking ruled. Yeah, that was awesome. Shout out to Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi. That awesome run. Nice. Well, let's move on. We've got some um, huge news. It seems like a week's gone by, and 
the landscape of professional race wrestling has changed yet again. And um, we'll get into it, but I feel like I need to uh, maybe take a little victory lap as they say. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's uh, break this news down. So we had a big press conference this weekend announcing huge news for wrestle kingdom 16 night three. So night three of wrestle kingdom will feature talent from both NJPW and pro wrestling. Noah the announcement was made in a joint press conference with both promotions, New Japan's Kuzuko Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shingo Takagi, and Noah's Kaito Kiyomiya, Keiji Moto, and Kashuki Nakajima have been announced for the event on Saturday, January 8th, 2022 at Yokohama Arena, Yokohama, Japan, 3 a.m. Eastern Time. As of right now, no matches have been made official. The card will air live on a BIMA pay-per-view and have an English option for the broadcast. The cost is 3960 yen, and it seems like that's about $34 American. The show will be made available on NJPW World and NOAA's Wrestle Universe streaming service one week after the air date. A portion of proceeds from the event and pay-per-view will be donated to the Japanese Red Cross. Tanahashi and company president Takami Obari represented NJPW at the presser while Cyber Fight director Akiro Takeda and Kiyomiya represented Noah and comments from the cards. Other announcement participants were shown via a video and one of the big quotes here uh, from Obari says the match card is yet to be announced. NJPW and Noah wrestlers have their own histories and backgrounds. It's up to them whether they want to face off or even join together. This is a rare opportunity, and it would be somewhat of a waste not to have the two companies face off across the whole card. So, young boy, yeah. what are your thoughts, man? Well, a couple things. First thing, uh, the, the gentleman's name is Katsuhiko Nakajima. Mm. Um, and then uh, it's uh, Akihiro Takeda. I believe those are the proper pronunciations. But, um, yeah, man, um, we... I don't know, a couple days after we got off the air, uh, you know, recording last week's episode, uh, we saw the press releases that there's going to be a press conference from New Japan. And then literally minutes apart, Noah said the same thing. They had the exact same time and they didn't mention each other specifically, but it's like, well, why are these two, you know, basically the two largest, uh, you know, per resu wrestling companies holding press conferences at exactly the same time. It would lead you to believe based on not just that, even the style of the announcements looked so similar. Um, and we, we took an opportunity to, uh, you know, create a little collage of the two posts, put them side by side, and put, post something out there. And, you know, you had your, uh, you know, your detractors and sort of your, um, you know, fans that were maybe kind of erring on the side of caution as they say, mm -hmm. and thinking that maybe perhaps they were lifting some restrictions, letting people cheer, something of that nature, you know? Right. And, you know, and I could see why people thought that, but I was like, dude, there's no way they're going to, uh, you know, night three is complete, was still completely up in the air with Wrestle Kingdom. And they had just a week or so previously announced that they're going to be doing dream cards with dream matches and how could that possibly be the case if they're just using the talent in their own company? At this point, it's not even really fathomable because there's hardly any new matchups to be made in the company. And then, you know, you see this evidence. And I mean, I didn't think it was that much of a stretch to think that they were very likely doing a dream card on January the 8th for night three of Wrestle Kingdom. And I even went as far as to tell people like, yo, get ready because 
<laughs> Okada Kiyomiya, you know, there was rumors of that. Uh, both guys were talking about it in the press, you know, last year, it never materialized. And here we are, you know, the, the announcement came out and I mean, it's just incredible. It's really, it, I mean, it's so exciting that I'm more excited for this prospect than I am for the annual two nights of Russell kingdom that we generally get. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you're the only one I've seen tons of comments. Also, also we'll have a bunch of questions later, but uh, pretty much everybody's very excited, more excited about this night three uh, tickets are already sold out for this third night of Russell kingdom from what I've been seeing and tickets are not sold out for nights one and two yet of Wrestle Kingdom 16. They sold out like the day that they got dropped. Now, I don't know how they're ha- doing at Yokohama Arena, right? Right. So I don't know how that compares in terms of uh, how many tickets they actually have on sale versus what they're allowed to sell for the Tokyo Dome this year based on the current you know, restrictions. I, I don't know how that uh, plays out, but I mean, it does tell you something. I mean that they sold this out. I mean, that's a hot ticket. And I don't feel like many of the major shows that have occurred just across all companies have really been hot like that. You know, even right. some of the successful ones for like Noah and stardom and new Japan. Like, I don't think any, like the wrestling fans have been buying into the, the prospect the way that they are here with all of, I mean, you know, we've gone on the record and said on the air, we obviously we're not Noah diehards, we don't watch it or cover it the way we do New Japan. But, I mean, we've said on the air we're very keenly aware of what they've been doing the past two years. And there is a very legitimate argument to have been made that throughout this entire pandemic period that they've been superior to New Japan in certain aspects. Um, and so now you, you've got this hot product with all these big stars and all these fresh matchups. And then you've got the Goliath, the New Japan, and the idea that we're going to get dream matches. I mean, this is kind of what Wrestle Kingdom used to be uh, in it, during its early days and in inception. You know, you'd have dream matches with Noah and dream matches with All Japan and um, TNA and stuff like that. So this is almost, in a certain sense, kind of a throwback to that era of Wrestle Kingdom, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, since, um, you know, AEW and New Japan have started working together. I mean, ever since like the, the Jericho Tanahashi match where we first heard about the Forbidden Door concept, you know, we got flooded with questions. You know, what AEW New Japan matchups do you guys want to see? You know, we, we kind of struggle. I mean, a lot of the guys in AEW came from New Japan. Also, there are some dream matches and cool matches, but we've gone on record to say the real Forbidden Door is for New Japan to be working with uh, other Japanese promotions, especially during the pandemic when you can't get these AW guys, and you can't get your gaijins in, like, working together with a Pro Wrestling Noah, with a All Japan Pro Wrestling, with a DDT, you know, doing these big shows, these big dream matches, this is what's going to spark interest, this is a real forbidden door, and I think it's going to benefit all companies that work together. Yeah, and I mean, um, we'll talk about it, but there's reports going on that, you know, uh, some of the details surrounding this, so I mean, like, it looks right now like this is as of right now, a one-off event featuring right. the two companies. Um, it's This event actually has been signed for almost over a year, from what I understand, Yeah, and was kept extremely close to the chest. Even many of the wrestlers that are involved with it weren't even made aware uh, exactly of the details of that was happening until shortly before they made the announcements. So, I mean, kudos to you know all involved. But, I mean, if you think about... Um, 
all the other major companies that are in Japan right now and, and in terms of like men's ProResu. And uh, there's not too many big names. I mean, the big names would basically just be Dragon Gate, All Japan, DDT, Noah. Um, I mean, I guess you could maybe throw Big Japan in there if you felt generous, but essentially those are the four big ones outside of New Japan right now. Right. And, you know, the, the, the rumor right now is that they're in talks or have been in talks to do other future shows, just like the press conference, the other, you know, I got to apologize because I kind of made light of the uh, 50th anniversary announcements the other week because it didn't sound substantial because i'm like how are they going to have dream matches if they're not like working with uh, outside companies and then lo and behold ta-da here we are and i think they're starting off with literally you know they're, they're they're marketing it as a wrestle kingdom style event and they're starting off with what in my opinion is the strongest of all the outside you know progressive companies in terms of star power in terms of you know main like of like main event level style, like match um, competitors. I mean, they've got a lot of stars over there, you know, Nakajima, Kiyomiya, Kano, Marafuji, you know, the list goes, uh, Sugiera, the, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of dream potential between these two companies. And I mean, like, I'm here for it. Like yeah. all day. Yeah, I love it. I'm very excited. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, we don't cover Noah in depth. Also, I know some of the big names. I know the big matches that have happened in the past couple of years, and I'm I'm very excited just to see more of these guys and get these kind of dream matchups. And we're seeing this whole shift in mentality ever since Harold May left and Obari took over straight from the jump. Obari says he he does want to work with other companies. And he's open to working with everybody. And we've, we've seen that here in the States. We, he's working with AEW. They're working with Impact. We've seen guys go to MLW. We're seeing guys all over the indie scene here in the States. And now, finally, we're seeing this mindset happen in Japan, working with Pro Wrestling Noah. So there, there were some uh, more news that came out of this uh, from Joe Lanza, Voices of Wrestling, from their uh, Patreon with some exclusive news. You can go ahead and subscribe to their Patreon if you want to get the the full info, but just some highlights here. Uh, so Dick Togo and Nassau Run Guy, kind of the two uh, main officials that have helped smooth over this relationship and kind of get this, this relationship open with Noah. Like you mentioned, Josh, uh, this was kind of known for a while now and kept under wraps, and some of these guys have been pitching matches, like it was said in the press conference by Obari, that you know a lot of these wrestlers, they, they have histories and they can work with certain guys. So like Muto... For example, he he threw out a match with Sonata. Kiyomiya, he asked for Okada. Shingo pitched Nakajima. We know Osprey and Mary Fuji. They've, they've wanted to work with each other for a while now, and they've kind of uh, gone uh, back and forth. Yeah. I also saw uh, Hiroki Goto's trying to wrestle Sugiera again, which I'm like, God, please no. Like, if there's any – not that I'd be opposed to him, like wrestling necessarily, but <laughs> it's happened so many times. I'm like, can we do something fresh? Like this is, <laughs> this is a fresh opportunity, but um, yeah, I mean, this is pretty cool. It shows, um, you know, it gives us a little insight into what's gone on with some of the administration changes, booking committees, and some of the changing um, philosophies in management, especially with, like you mentioned, Obari taking over uh, from Harold May. And this is a, uh, quite a departure from, you know, New Japan's MO over the last six, seven, eight years with pretty much just being an exclusionary company. And yeah, uh, some of these different matches that have been pitched uh, are pretty like interesting. Um, 
you know, there's also been a lot of like internal politics and discussion as to who would wrestle who. So even though some of the wrestlers are being vocal and saying who they'd like to wrestle, it doesn't mean that it's going to shake out that way necessarily. Uh, we do know that a lot of the card is still undecided and kind of being worked out. And there's a lot of discussion as to whether it's going to be a show full of singles dream matches head to head uh, tag matches up and down the card to maybe protect some of the talent, which we've seen a lot in Japan, especially with like those all together shows or anniversary or memorial shows. We've seen some of that uh, over the years. So that's not uh, that surprising, but there's a concern on the Noah side that if they do champion versus champion or too many singles matches, uh, cause they're the smaller company, some of their talent, might actually get buried. So I think that that's kind of where they're at. And then obviously there's the, you know, the question of what do they do with Muto? And I mean, him being a former New Japan, you know, musketeer and, you know, from the third generation or second, actually second generation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just being like, I don't know what they do with Muto. <laughs> right. You know, like he's a huge star. He's got a huge history here. And um, I think that they're probably going to have to put him in some sort of spotlight. Like 2021 is such, we are living in such a weird timeline where Kijimuto has finessed his way into a major, major Wrestle Kingdom match in 2021 or 2022, to be honest. How is that happening? That is so bizarre. Olds on top. <laughs> it looks like uh, 2022 is going to be another Olds on top year with uh, Muto being highlighted here. And, of course, you know, like you mentioned, with the politics, you know, if they were to do a IWGP champion versus GHC champion, who goes over? Do you do a draw? Do you do a DQ? Like, what do you do in a situation like that? Uh, but, you know, there's rumors out there that, you know, maybe you put Muto in there. He's somebody that would probably do business and wouldn't mind losing to whoever the IWGP champion is, and especially if it's going to be somebody like a Kazucho. Oh, God, I don't want... (laughs) I do not want to see Kijimuto wrestle Okada or Shingo or Will Ospreay. In fact, put his ass in a fucking tag team match and let him just be off on the side. You know, if you want to have him wrestle, I don't know, say LIJ or something, or Dangerous Techers, like, let's do that. I, I have no patience... Bro, you, you you know this man is getting a singles match. I have no patience. I know he is, but like, okay, what's since we're you know we're gonna have some, we got a lot of questions here, but like, let me just ask you off the dome. Best case scenario, what's the best singles match that you could probably think of for in New Japan for Muto at this point? I mean, you, you got to put him in there with somebody that's young and that can you know, pretty much carry the match. So I'd probably go with Okada or maybe Shingo. Yeah. I mean, Okada did have that, you know, classic match with uh, Tenru for his uh, retirement. And I mean, like Tenru could barely do anything at that point. And I mean, they, they were still able to have a pretty emotional match. I mean, dude, Kijimuto is 58 years old. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he's not in his late 40s he's in his late 50s going on this 60 right now like this right. is nuts yeah it's it's absolutely crazy and um you know the last thing from the, from the press conference you know Abari did close out and say that this is the first of many dream events uh, that he promised for the 50th anniversary so like you alluded to earlier uh there has been rumors of talks of uh Dragon Gate and um All Japan Pro Wrestling DDT 
So this could be just the first of many kind of super shows or crossover shows that we see happen throughout New Japan's 50th anniversary year in 2022. Um, and we have a bunch of questions here on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm also trying to rack my brain about that Kichibuto question. Like, I'm not opposed to the idea of the Sonata match that they've proposed because Sonata is a guy that, even though I'm not always in love with him as a singles wrestler, he's trained by Muto. He's like his protege, so there's kind of a built-in story. Plus, like, it's a guy that's high up enough to probably eat the loss that Muto would make him take. <laughs> And it'd be fine because it's just Sonata, you know? Right. But I've I got this fear that they're going to do Kichibuto and Tanahashi because Tanahashi doesn't have shit going on right now. And I just I don't want to watch Muto and and Tanahashi at this stage wrestle each other again. Dude, I love Tanahashi. I love the ace. But we've seen, like, he's he's starting to slow down a little bit. And Bro, this- I've, been, I've been watching his uh, physique during this tag league, and I'm like, I wish this man would have gotten the break and not had to wrestle in the SAG League because he's not looking like himself right now. Yeah, and it's not just the the black jacket or the haircut. He's just, it's just, yeah, he's on a little slower pace right now. And Commercial Kingdom, I'd like to see Tanahashi in, a, in there with a guy that can, you know, help him have a great match and not him trying to help, you know, Muto have a great match. Damn, well, yeah, we do have a lot of questions, so I don't want to uh, chip anybody on this, so let's get through this. <laughs> so uh, first from Reddit user Puro Poppy, he says, if it were to be revealed, Dick, Dick, Dick Togo single-handedly put together the NJPW, time, NJPW versus NOAA show, and Togo convinced New Japan to keep working with other Japanese companies going forward, would the evil push all be worth it? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. i'm serious i mean it's like one of those things it's like you go through something really traumatic in life and they're like but it was all worth it to get you know xyz no bro that traumatized me i don't want to fucking live through that again like right if i could if i could go back i'd undo it (laughs) it's like did we have to go through the valley to get to the the sunlight like (laughs) come on man um but but, you know he brings up dick togo you know we've been hearing all these uh reports and New stories and rumors of Dick Togo's influence in New Japan in in the Booker's Room and obviously the push of evil and so I think here's another signal of just the the influence that he does have and maybe why he's gained so much influence because he's been a key part in you know smoothing things over with Noah. I mean, here's what I'll say about all that: we're not the podcast that comes out, and this isn't a shot at anybody in particular. Mind you, I'm not like claiming other podcasts do this, but you do see a lot of like wackos on Twitter who think they know about the ins and outs of what's going on with New Japan business. We've never claimed to be that. A lot of the um, stuff about Dick Togo and his influence on booking comes from other podcasting or, you know, um, you know, media sites. And typically they are pretty, um, you know, reliable. So that's why we've kind of like, you know, I think there's some smoke to that fire. We've seen that since he's come to the company and gotten on the booking committee, that there's been a, a shift in some philosophies with the booking decisions. But, you know, we've never sit and sat here and been like, fuck Dick Togo. Well, I guess we have just as a joke. But, <laughs> but we've never like out and out been like, I hate Dick Togo. I wish he get fired. Like, you know, and I'm sure like the man's been, he's super connected. He's just like Gato, just like Jado. Just like Taka, they've been in the comp- or in the uh, um, industry for a very, very long time and made a lot of connections. 
and people have different gifts and skills and talents. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the reports that he's been involved with uh, bridging the gap and setting up some of these other, um, you know, promotional ties, like that's pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next question here from our user, Strong Style Demon. The biggest wish I had for NJPW came came true with the possibility for co- cooperation with Noah being now once again on the table. With the third night of Wrestle Kingdom now taking care of the bringing in of fresh talents to stir things up, do you still think they will? Do you still think they'll be during the first two nights to have some surprise guests, for example, from the USA? Do you think Omega or the American Dragon could show up, or is it too early in one sense and too late, as in too close to the event? Another, another sense to get levels of wrestler in for those dates. Thank you guys for a great and fun podcast. As I stopped listening to other wrestling related ones around a year ago, keep up the good work. Oh, wow. That's a really complimentary, uh, you know, post there. I appreciate that. I'm sure Jeremy does too. Definitely. Um, as far as uh, interactions from outside guys, anything is possible. I'm not counting on it, but I mean, you know, if you think about it, you've got the first two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, right? But then we're still going into that Golden Series um, tour and presumably leading into a a new beginning tour. Whatever's happening on night three of Wrestle Kingdom is a stop hold. You know, it's a special one-off dream match. And who knows, maybe it could lead to further interaction between the two companies. I think that'd be cool if it does end up doing that. But right now, the promise is a dream card and nothing more. So you've got to assume that whatever's happening in the first two nights of Wrestle Kingdom is going to carry over more in terms of kayfabe mm-hmm. to the Golden Series Tour and to the New Beginning, if that's what it ends up getting called. And could that mean guys from, you know, from Strong or from some of the other companies that they work with could get involved in some aspect? Sure. Why not? You know, um, I'm not predicting that personally, but it's not off the table. Yeah, we know that the restrictions for people coming in Japan are, you know, getting lower and lower every day. And it seems like they're kind of loosening things up and it's going to be easier for people to get in and less times for uh, quarantining. But as far as like anybody from like AEW, like Kenny Omega or Brian Danielson showing up for Wrestle Kingdom, I think it's very unlikely because, uh, you know, you have Dynamite on Wednesday, January 5th. So you, you're going to need top stars for that. And then there's the uh, Battle of the Belts TNT one hour special that's going to be coming up. I believe that is January 8th, the same day as the third night of Wrestle Kingdom. So you're going to need big guys for that as well. Um, so also AEW has a huge roster. Maybe there are some guys they can send depending on what the restrictions are, but I think it's very unlikely you see a Brian Danielson, a CM Punk, Kenny, who's actually getting ready for a bunch of surgeries or any of their top guys in time for these shows. Uh, so next question here from Reddit user Daigo Kuna 0 We are roughly a month and a half away from Wrestle Kingdom 16, and while I'm very excited for the third night of Wrestle Kingdom, given the recently announced partnership with Noah, I'm still unsure how they'll put on two cards worthy of Wrestle Kingdom for the first two nights. My question is, besides the main events that have been announced, what other big matches do you see them realistically adding to the first nights of Wrestle Kingdom 16? P.S. I've been a big fan of the podcast for a few years now, so I just want to say thank you guys for your work. Man, a lot of first-time, you know, question askers or contributors you know mentioning they've listened for a while so that's always cool to hear because i sometimes i wonder like if those download numbers are gimmick you know <laughs> if the uh, red circle's working us <laughs> yeah if we're getting worked and we're like dude we're fucking over in these streets and then it's, it's just people who have us like auto set to like download and they never listen yeah. you know I, I wonder if that's real you know 
I'm sure but, uh, a few folks like that. But yeah, we also have a lot of uh, very interactive, very loyal, passionate Kiss fans. Not my dog, Diago Kanahu, zero, zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to kind of answer the question, um, I, I don't know if I want to go over like a full card, but I mean, I think they'll be fine. Um, they're going to have a road to Tokyo Dome, you know, and they're, whatever's going to happen at um, Best Super Juniors is obviously going to lead into that junior title picture for those first two nights. And the idea that we kind of know that everything uh, on night three is sort of dominated by the Noah feud or dream show, that kind of helps us a bit because then it makes it easier to kind of like book out, you know, okay, maybe we're getting like a junior tag team title match here. We're probably going to get another two junior, you know, um, heavyweight title matches. There's going to be a never title match somewhere. There's going to be a U.S. title match somewhere. There's going to be a, you know, the, uh, the, the, we already know the two main events for the first two nights. So that's pretty easy. Um, Six man tags will be on, on the line. So, I mean, I already, you can see that the KOPW is probably going to be involved in some like battle Royal. So I mean, uh, Ishii brought the never title back. So that'll have a big match. I think it'll be pretty easy for them to make a wrestle kingdom style card. They've kind of protected a lot of their big matches through the year by just like, not running big shows and then kind of treating Wrestle Kingdom like, okay, here we go. Let's like unload on them, you know? Yeah. So uh, next question here from our user Viking Pain. Did Dick Togo just save Japanese Purezu? And why is he the goat? <laughs> I don't know if I'd give him that much credit, but, uh, you know, for me, cross promotion like this is always, generally speaking, I mean, it's not, always the rule but generally speaking i think it's a good thing and i think it's a healthy thing and i'm happy for it and, and you know cyber agent in terms of like size to bushi road they're like pretty competitive um i think cyber agent's actually like a bigger company so i don't know like how chummy these two groups are going to be after this big show right <laughs> um but i i think it's really cool either way yeah, and it, you know if the if there if if everything is true and Dick Togo did have a part to play, you know, shout out to him for actually doing something I like. <laughs> actually, I like his wrestling. I, I like his wrestling. I don't like uh, anything House of Torture related. Uh, but I moving like on. Show. <laughs> uh, moving on to the second question, I, he says. Uh, I, I think also, you know, Peter's probably going to be amalgamized into that group. So I mean. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll sacrifice, uh, you know, some garrote choking if we get Peter. So, <laughs> uh, his second question here says, in the spirit of Survivor Series, which five men teams from New Japan and Noah would you like to see represent their respective promotions? Oh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, if you had like a big five, um, dang, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I think. We can start from the New Japan side. That'd probably be the easiest thing to do. Okay. Uh, well, I think you go Kata Shingo. Yeah. Uh, Osprey. Okay. Tanahashi. Naito. Yeah. Is that what you do, Naito and Tanahashi? Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. I mean, there's some other people you probably throw in there, but that's not a bad group. So we had Okada, Shingo, Tanahashi. We left out Ibushi. Actually, you know what? Drop, drop Osprey, and let's put Abushi. So no Osprey, no Gaijin whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> so it's straight Okada, domestic. 
Shingo, Naito, and Tanahashi. Yeah. Okay. And then from the um, Noah side, I mean, I think I would go... Um, Kiyomiya. Kiyomiya, Kano, Nakajima. Um, Marafuji. Marafuji. And then I'd probably go Go Shiozaki. Yeah. That sounds pretty yeah. good to me. That's a great... That's like... <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, next question. Do you guys think this NJPW Noah Super Show would be evenly booked? Or do you think the Noah stars are going to be walking into the show knowing they're going to be eating a bunch of L's? I don't know. I, I think that... I don't think that it's going to be parody, although that would be classy if that's what ends up happening. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a 60-40 split. You know, Noah winning... Uh, and for that reason, I don't think you'll see like the GHC champion wrestling, like the IWGP world champion necessarily right. or anything like that. I think you'll see, um, some predictable, I don't think you'll see ups, upsets too much. I think like whoever you think is probably the bigger star from the two companies winning, winning in, you know, the major spots that matter, that's probably what will happen. And I think you'll see Noah guys getting key wins. That's just my guess. I think you'd probably see them win enough to be respectful respectable and new japan kind of coming out slightly on top you know maybe they win one extra match right and i do think like you've mentioned you know with you know puro shows in the past or these memorial shows or anniversary shows we see mostly you know big six man eight man ten man tags and also you, you normally have a pin eater on one of those sides and so i definitely think also i don't think the whole card will be a bunch of tag matches but i wouldn't be surprised if we did get you know a handful of, you know, maybe six-man, eight-man tags where you have guys on, you know, lower on the card. Maybe you have a Master Watto on, on a, an eight-man tag where he can eat the pin and, you know, give Noah a win. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot they could do there. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But Then his last question here, he says, VOW listed Okada, Tanahashi, Osprey, Shingo, Naito, and Ibushi as the top guys who were told about this NJPW Noah show are you guys surprised that Jay Whiteo wasn't told about the show too? Well, I don't know that Jay White wasn't told about the show. I mean, that's just some names they listed. That's a report they put out. Uh, I'm sure it's factual, but I mean, just because it didn't mention Jay White doesn't mean he wasn't in the loop. Um, I mean, we could speculate wildly. I mean, there there have been things that people have said about you know his contract status coming up. Um, and I, as I've gone on record, I'm not going to speculate on it because I don't have the facts in front of me to really know what's work, what's a shoot, you know, across the board. So, um, no, I'm not that surprised. I mean, and who knows? Who, who knows if he will even be on that show or even be, you know, in Japan for Wrestle Kingdom? I don't really know what's happening right now. So, yeah, with him dropping the Never title, it is kind of questionable what his Wrestle Kingdom stats is going to be, whether he's going to go back to Japan. Um, yeah, it, it's obviously Osprey's going back, so maybe maybe you would think some of these guys who have been stateside, like him and Juice and Finley, would come back to be a part of Wrestle Kingdom week, but we'll have to wait and see. So uh, next question here from Hawaiian Punch BV says, Dick Togo wrestled for Noah in early 2020. Now in early 2022, Noah and NJPW are working together. We're all thinking it. Now it's time to just say it. All hail Togoism. Yeah. Hail Togoism. <laughs> we're, we're all about isms on keeping a strong style. So absolutely. <laughs> uh, and the second question, do you wish that Go Shiozaki and Shibata were healthy enough to have their rematch in Wrestle Kingdom? Go needs his win back. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I don't know that Go Shiozaki won't be on the show for sure. I know he's been on the shelf and all that. I don't really, again, we don't follow the company, so I don't know the timetable on his return. Although, you know, it's my belief he was probably wrestler of the year across the board last year, uh, just based on his incredible title run. So um, I hope he is able to be. We'll have to look more into everything. I haven't even started any of my, like, Dream card <laughs> research, you yeah. know, but uh, I, I hope he's capable of being involved in this dream card in some capacity. Yeah, somebody in our Discord, I can't, it might have been Zach, I can't remember. Somebody in our Discord said that Go should be back in action in time for this show, but we'll have to follow up and, and get some more details on that. I had actually heard the same thing, but I don't know that to be a fact. Yeah, but yeah, I'll say I, I would love to have Go and Shibata involved in this big show. Uh, next question here. Ready user Grunty Dodds. On January 8th, would you rather see Muto wrestle a younger talent or should it be Olds on top? I guess that's uh, the same question we kind of discussed earlier. My, my main thing is, I guess there's two ways for me to look at it. The one way for me to look at is, I don't care if it's old or young. I just want to see him wrestle whoever he's capable of having the best wrestling match for that you know, major of an event with. Um, but then you also have to call into question, okay, the, the match quality might, be, let's say they put him in there with Shingo, for instance, mm-hmm. obviously Shingo, or Will Ospreay, someone that's really capable of like pulling someone up to a higher level. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but then you still have to ask yourself, well, who's winning, who's going over, what's the finish, you know, all that. And that's still on the table as well. And then maybe you change your mindset. Okay, it doesn't matter exclusively just as to who's going to have the best match with him, but you also have to think of the booking and the political side of it. And for me, mm, uh, the be- I don't know. I think if he wrestles someone that's younger that can eat the pin loss, fine. But, um, I mean, Mu- there's very few people Muto's going to lay down for, to be honest with you. Right, I think I think he would lay down for an Okada. I think he would lay down for Tanahashi. Uh, right, it'd have to be someone that's like a Hall of Fame level, like uh, stature, like that. Maybe Ibushi. Yeah. May I don't know if he lays down for Shingo. Maybe Naito, <laughs> unless he's the champion. I don't know if he lays down for Naito. Like <laughs> this is guys. It's it's Kijimuto. Like I don't know what to tell you. It's we'll see. Right. That's that's why I'm. I'm leaning towards Okada because I, I feel like he will he'll eat the Rainmaker and Okada is obviously more than talented yeah. enough to get him through a, a decent match. Yeah, but you're you're wasting the opportunity for the literal ace of the company. Oh, trust me, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I don't want that match right. at all. I, I, like you said, I, I want Muto, put him in a, a, a 10-man tag, stick a bunch of young no guys around him, get him in there with a bunch of young New Japan guys. He can, he can pin Master Wato, he can pin Doki, somebody. Right, that's what we would want, but like, let's be realistic, that's not happening. Right. But at the same time, I think it would also be booking malpractice to put Kijimuto up against Kazushiko Okada. I mean, when the Kiyomiya match is staring us right in the face, and I think that they've already, you know, already alluded to it so, you know, so extensively, uh, even before this event, but throughout even the small bits of promotion they put on like YouTube and some of the, um, press conference, stuff like that. I, it's my feeling that it needs to be Kiyomiya and Okada, whether Okada is 
the world champion or not. That needs to happen. But I don't know who you should put Kijimuto in there with at that point. Um, maybe maybe you do do Shingo after like let's say Shingo doesn't you know win the double or, you know or I keep calling it double gold because I'm thinking of Wrestle Kingdom double gold dash. I mean essentially uh, it's, maybe, it's, it's a double gold dash. Yeah, uh, but maybe he doesn't win the triple gold dash, and you put him in there with Muto. And then he beats Muto's ass. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, well I, I I think they should just do Sonata, let him beat Sonata, and we just move on with our lives. Honestly, it is that, what it that's is. probably the best case scenario. But I feel like it's going to be Tanahashi, and I think he's going to beat Tanahashi. That would suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's time to pay the favor back, kid. <laughs> Uh, next question here from Razor P San ninety one says I will be going to the NJPW versus Noah Super Show on January eighth, but I won't be at either Tokyo Dome or Kingdoms on January fourth and fifth due to work. I was lucky enough to get my tickets for the January eighth show today. They sold out immediately, by the way. Then I checked about the two the ticket sales for the two Tokyo Dome shows, and I found it was curious to see that there were still plenty of tickets left for both nights. My question is, what do you think? Of the January 8th Wrestle Kingdom selling out almost instantly without any matches announced, but there's still being plenty of tickets left for both nights at the Tokyo Dome, despite two main event matches being announced. Well, I mean, yeah, there's we've already kind of talked a little bit about that on this show already in this episode, but I mean, you got to think about it. Um, Okada and Shingo is a match that's happened twice in this calendar year already, and the outcome of it, I don't think it's that much in question really and then it's not like osprey versus either okada or shingo is a super protected match that hasn't happened numerous times i mean even just last wrestle kingdom within a 12-month period uh will osprey's wrestled both of those guys combined number of three times so you know even though there there's a story behind it there's stakes there's three gold belts uh, it's not like th- these are, you know, Omega Okada, you know, Tanahashi Omega, you know, <laughs> right. uh, Naito Okada. These are not things that have been spared and saved for a long time and then built to painstakingly and then finally given to us on a on a big stage. So I think that kind of draws things back. I also think that, uh, you know, the excitement of the Dece- – if I was a fan, I – only had limited funds i would go to the december 8th show as well personally um right does that mean oh god no it's something else that you know he that p san mentioned you know january 4th and 5th that's a, that's a wednesday and thursday those are work days like it's much well no it's a holiday i believe it's okay. still a holiday even though it's like a work day gotcha but still in the middle of the week it's still harder probably to, to plan that out versus you have a saturday january 8th like that's probably a, an easier date all around, whether you're working or not, to, to get to that. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you consider, like, a traveling crowd in Japan as well. Not even just, like, international people that might come. But, you know, that was another big thing, too, is, like, there used to be a big international contingency of people that would, uh, you know, come out to these shows. And with COVID, I don't know how much of that is going to really still be going on. And, you know, there's no denying. We've talked about it extensively for coming up on two years now. You know, the booking, you know, the cold reactions, the atmosphere, it it all kind of adds to, you know, the perception that the company's in a down period. 
we've seen this company in down periods do, you know, lesser numbers for Wrestle Kingdoms. Uh, that doesn't mean that I still think that they won't do well at the box office. That remains to be seen. But, you know, it's not a hot ticket like the idea of getting all of these dudes from Noah that like have been crushing it. And then all these famous stars from new Japan that you really, really want to see them go head to head, you know? Right. Especially, you know, we mentioned before, like, you know, under the maze regime and other regimes, like you, you didn't have a lot of crossover or partnerships. And so this is a big thing. I honestly, nobody thought this would happen. And honestly, you know, it probably wasn't for COVID and who knows if this would actually happen. So it's, it's a big thing. It's a huge thing. Bands from both sides are excited. So definitely it's, it's the hot ticket. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Dom Homie 101 asked us, he said, with NJPW and Noah doing a, jo- a joint show for the third night of WrestleCamp 16, where does Kenta fit in on the card? Who do you want to see him face? Yeah, that's an interesting name. Obviously, you know, Kenta very big in Noah. And, you know, they're also in some of the reports, there are some guys in Noah office, even though things are smoothed out, guys like Kenta and Taiji Shimori, there's rumors that maybe. No, those- no, no, Kenamaru. Uh, Kanemaru, yeah, sorry. Um, that those guys aren't, you know, maybe they, they don't want those guys wrestling on the, this crossover show. Um, but obviously, Kenta, yeah. with his history and Noah, I think it would be great to have him on the show. I mean, I know people might think initially Marafuji, but there was that match that they had together that he, when he was still in NXT, and people kind of forgot that that actually happened. So I don't know if you would need to do another Marafuji match, but I'm not quite sure who he should go against. Yeah, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to... You know, there is the idea that's been thrown out there of guys teaming up across companies. And that, while it might not be as sexy as like a head-to-head, you know, singles match, um, those aren't always bad. And, I mean, what if we did get Marafuji and Kenta in a dream tag team scenario? You know, they did tag together once upon a time. That would be something that could be cool. Yeah, what if you did them Um, versus, like, Dangerous Techers? Maybe, maybe something like that. I don't know. Um I was kind of thinking maybe them against another like dream tag team as well, you know. Gotcha. Um, Golden Ace. Uh, no, I'm thinking someone from New Japan, someone from Noah teaming up. You know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing is like it could never, like, you know. It's a, it's got Fire Pro written all over it. Definitely. But um, I mean, Kenta could easily be involved with wrestling some of the bigger names over there. I mean, considering his history with that company, I mean, there's. I think it's almost unlimited what you could do. I mean, why you could even have him like wrestle the GHC champion for the title. Right. And I mean, that would be something that'd be like, Oh shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Kenta Which, uh, you know, promising to steal the GHC title or bring it back to new Japan. Who's the champion right now? Nakajima. Yes. You could do that. I mean, I, I talked about like wanting to see Nakajima, maybe like Naito uh, just privately. Cause I think that'd be cool. But I mean, why not do Kenta versus Nakajima? I mean, Kenta's probably one of the few guys on the New Japan roster that could really like hang with him in terms of the striking. Yeah, it'd be it'd be awesome. But yeah, definitely. I think Kenta needs to be involved in this somehow. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing is like Kenta's an upper mid guy in New Japan, so you know you could pretty much do whatever you wanted in terms of how how it relates to him in New Japan, but given his history with Noah and his reputation, it kind of elevates his stature on their side. So right. I mean, he's, he's also kind of a unique uh, position. U.S. champ right now. He could defend the U.S. belt against somebody on their side. Yeah, that's true, too. So there's a lot of cool things you could do. I don't know. 
Uh, Don Homie also asks, any thoughts on the reports of New Japan trying to do more joint shows with other Japanese companies? All of it. All day. We're here for it. We want it. Let's let's get some more of it, you know? DDT, All Japan, Choco Pro. Freedoms, all of it. Late. <laughs> Tradition. I want to see him wrestle. I want to see them wrestle, you know, all the old dudes from Tradition and... You know, let's do all of that shit. Michinoku Pro, I don't care. Just tap out. Come on. Basara. Oh, man. Hard. Let's do a, a nothing but um, strong style matches with hard hit. Let's do that. <laughs> Shoot style, never die. Um, <laughs> so uh, next question from Musley says, are we really likely to get a lot of one versus one singles matches or will it likely be more six-man tags or make sure both also know it's going to win because they have the power of Oles on top. Dude, oh, yeah. So there's a funny thing where um, some – again, we're not the experts here, but uh, <laughs> some friends of ours have asked, like, does Noah have, like, dads the way that New Japan has dads? And I was like, yes, and they're all New Japan dads. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're all they're all Noah stepdads, basically. Yeah. But yeah, they got a lot of olds from. I mean, they got Fujita, they got um, Sakuraba, Kendo Cashin, you know, Kakihara. Like, there's a bunch of dudes <laughs> <laughs> over there that are old. But um, oh yeah, Funaki. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, I think that it would be wise for them to do maybe four or five big singles matches and then a collection of multi-man matches. Because there's probably a lot of people that it'd be cool to see them interact, but it's not feasible to do, you know, 15 singles matches or whatever, you know? Right. Also, you want the big matches to get time. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Four or five big singles matches. You know, treat like you would do any kind of big show. You, you have four or five singles matches and you you have you know, four to five, you know, tag matches. Rambo Slam Pig said, is this relationship with no expected to be an ongoing thing or self-contained to this one super show? Well, I mean, it seems like this is going to be a one-time thing for the 50th anniversary, but if this show does well, pay-per-view numbers, obviously the tickets are already sold out. If everything works out and both companies are happy after the show's over, I could totally see them maybe wanting to do be like a yearly thing that they keep doing. Listen, when Shibata was involved in that feud during the G1 with Noah, I believe that was like 2015, 2016, and it never got paid off. I was so bummed. And now I'm like, dude, I love the idea of like blood feuds and heat between guys across companies. So I hope it does continue in some aspect or, you know, some form. But uh, it right now, all we've been promised is one show. And that's all I'm expecting. And if we if more comes out of it, great, you know. Yeah. He also asked, "Do you think Noah would take House of Torture? <laughs> um, you know, why not? You know, let's let's we, do it. House of Torture Exodus. That they can go and, and be in Noah for a year or two or five or ten, and you know, just really run things over there. <laughs> yeah, show the uh, GHC Junior Champion five times running. You know, <laughs> evil GHC Champion." <laughs> So I guess this is the big question um, that I'm surprised no one else has asked so far, but Barry Walsh said, are there any dream matches from Noah and NJPW you would like to see? Sigiora versus Ishii or Shingo would be one I would love to see. And I got to tell you, I'm right there with you. Like when I think of him, I know that people keep saying Goto, but fuck all that. 
Ishii or Shingo, like, that's what I want as well. Yeah, well, so um, Garrett has come out on Twitter and said, like, he does not want to wrestle Goto. <laughs> no, because, bro, they've wrestled well, like nine times, right? <laughs> they're, they're, I'll look it up. I but they've, they've wrestled, wrestled a bunch on of times. big stages. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I threw out there on Twitter, I know it's probably unlikely. I want Shingo and Mirafuji. Um, I mean, I'm down for that. <laughs> You know, why not? Yeah. Um, let's see. How many times have these dudes fought in singles matches? So they wrestled in 2009 at Dominion. They wrestled in the B block of the G1 Climax in 2009. They also wrestled for the GHC title uh, at Wrestle Kingdom 4. Um, and then they wrestled again in 2012 on the 40th anniversary tour. So, and then that doesn't include all the numerous tag team matches that they've had with one another. So they've got four singles matches in New Japan. And keep in mind, these it's not like Sugiara was like a regular in New Japan and he just happened to be like frequenting them at the time. Like these are four dream match scenarios where they kept giving him Goto. So it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, say no to the Goto. Stop the Goto. <laughs> Doesn't need to wrestle that geek. Although I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be uh, opposed to him and um, Minoru Suzuki running it back one more time. Mm. That's another yeah. interesting name. Suzuki, obviously, with, you know, we joked about the House of Torture exodus, but also Suzuki-Gun, when they were over there running things in Noah and uh, Jada was helping with the booking there. Uh, Suzuki's a very interesting name that should be involved somewhere on this show. He had fantastic matches with Marifuji. He had... Fantastic, uh, like one of the match of the year contenders that year with Sugiara. It's one of my favorite matches of both of theirs. Um, yeah, bro, I don't know. Like, I would love like Go Shiozaki against like uh, Will Osprey, maybe. Mm. Uh, I felt like those were like two of the top competitors last year, and seeing them go head to head would be really cool. Um, I also, I also like you know their their their. No idea that's out there of Osprey and Marifuji. I just love Marifuji, but anybody versus Marifuji. I, I love Marifuji too, <laughs> and I, I think him and Will Osprey would just like tear the house down. Um, Kano's another guy that I'm like, I wish I could see Kano and Shibata. That would be a dream match. Mm. Um, but I, I love Kano, and I'd like to see him wrestle pretty much. I, I saw someone talking about like him with his like serious attitude taking on like. Um, Naito with his Elijah, you know, Tranquilo Grift. Uh, mm. That might be something worth no. I don't know. Um, there's, there's just, dude, there's so many. And the thing is, like, we're only naming the tip top guys in Noah. I don't even, um, full admittedly, I don't know much about their mid card scene, which I've heard is pretty good. They've got a, from what I understand, a very good junior scene as well, a tag team division. So, I mean, there's other options out there that we probably aren't even keeping our finger on the pulse of you know right but i'm wondering what they do with some of those dads i mean funaki was in the final four of their of the m1 victory this year and has been utilized a lot sakuraba what if they did him in like zsj that would be something that'd probably be like dream matchy you know yeah. that'd be pretty cool there's a lot they could do i mean and people will probably complain on some level initially because there's so much possibility and we'll probably only get so much but I don't know. There's a lot of almost everything they do is going to be dream match elements. So, right. And I think also, too, we might probably get some kind of rumble or Rambo with some of maybe the lower, lower card guys to throw them a bone. 
Yeah. And it's not like they, these companies have never interacted. So some of these guys do have extensive histories like Tanahashi does. Um, I know Naito does. Um, so, I mean, some of, some of them have already had like interactions, feuds and beefs in the past. I, I don't know what we do with Ibushi. Um, I mean, I'd like to see him wrestle like maybe Nakajima or I, I, mean, I wouldn't be. Hopefully he's, I he's be able, just hopefully he's just ready to go in time. Right. Kiyomiya is another one. Yeah, so at, at the press conference, Tanahashi went face-to-face with uh, Kiyomiya. Yeah, and that one, to me, I see that more as just like they're the two spiritual representations of the companies, not necessarily so much like they're going to wrestle, although they could. I'm not discounting it, but you know, Tanahashi being like the pure embodiment of New Japan, you know, the ace of the century, all that, and then Kiyomiya is like the new young ace of Noah, uh, you know, I don't think they wanted to have like Marafuji be be in that role, you know. Right. So that's another thing. But there, I don't know, man. We'll see. There's so much they could do. Yeah, and what's one last thing to kind of wrap this all up? You know, there was also the video that played, and also there were some uh, hilarious comments, especially from Okada, just continuing his uh. Dickhead. How is this man not a heel? <laughs> his dickhead en- energy. He's like, oh, Muto. He, he's wrestling. He's he wrestles there. I had no idea. And he's like, uh, you know, do the Olympic level athletes, you know, check in on the, you know, athletes in the like the local, I forgot what he said, like the local record or whatever. Uh, so also, yeah, Okada is kind of keeping that same energy that he has going in the uh, feud with um, Shingo and Osprey over the world titles. All right, so that's going to wrap up all of our discussion for now on the NJPW versus Noah Night 3 Wrestle Kingdom 16 chill. Obviously, I'm sure there will be plenty of news. Actually, just checked on NJPW1972.com. They have um, step-by-step instructions on how to order the pay-per-view. So it is available English, Japanese. There will be English commentary. So go to NJPW1972.com. It's one of the top posts in the news section. It tells you how to purchase a pay-per-view on a BEMA so that you can watch, if you want to watch it live, it will be available on World seven days later. But who's going to want to wait seven days for such a, a big monumental show like this? Nice. So uh, that is going to do it for the big news here. We got a few shows to cover, but before we do that, uh, this past week, Tomohiro Ishii made his AEW debut. Uh, and we could talk about that real quick. Yeah. So Big Tom, he showed up on Dynamite. Also, we know that. Uh, the best friends are a part of chaos, so it was Tomohiro Ishii teaming up with Orange Cassidy. They defeated the Butcher and the Blade from the Hardy family office. Uh, real quick, young boy, what do you think about Ishii's TNT debut here? Well, I don't watch wrestling on TNT, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was fine. Um, I, you know, I thought it was cool. Um, you know, I did a Google search the other day to kind of see um, various different names from New Japan and how their, like, interest levels in the States have kind of been over the past year. I think I, I looked up uh, Suzuki, Tanahashi, Jay White, Okada, and Ishii. And I will tell you something. That AEW bump is a real thing. It really <laughs> is. Um, and right now, Tomohiro Ishii's interest in the States is higher than it's ever been. Um, because I don't think it ever was that high. And a couple things I noticed that they didn't let him come out to his own um, music. 
And I'm not knocking them for that. I actually think it was smart because you know what? I don't think people knew who Tomohiro Ishii was. Right, Remember especially that last week. Yeah, especially in that audience, they were in Virginia, which is not really like a hot like I wouldn't call right. it like a quote unquote wrestling. Like if they were in like Chicago or Philly or New York or you know one of those Ring of Honor a hot smart be- crowd. Yeah, smart crowd or one of those Ring of Honor hotbeds. I would think, oh yeah, they would for sure know. But yeah, in Virginia, and also you can tell, like you mentioned, like. Beginning of the match when he was in there, kind of quiet, like wasn't sure what to make out of him. But then by the end of the match, he had them in the palm of their hand, in the palm of his hand. Right, and so that was kind of my point last week. Was like I don't know, I didn't know what kind of reception he'd get. But as the match went on, people started reacting to him because you know it's Tomohiro Ishii and he's an incredible wrestler. I didn't think the match was a classic or anything. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors for my taste, but. Um, you know, it just it was kind of like a fun in the middle of the card sort of match, and uh, uh, it was funny. We were in our group chat, and when I ma- I made mention of all the, you know, kind of shenanigans, <laughs> James Boyd was like Amres Ishii. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fine. You know, I think it's good uh, to have a collaboration like that from time to time, and it brings some awareness to a guy like Ishii from fans who probably haven't been exposed to him before and helps to kind of bolster the relationship. But, you know, I wasn't super, super, super excited about this whole thing. And I, leaving it, I didn't think it like blew me away, but it was fine. You know? Yeah. Also, always great to see Ishii good little tie in there. Also, I would love to, you know, even Brian Nelson joked about it. Like Tony Khan, you have the American dragon and Ishii in the same building. You don't book them against each other. (laughs) What's wrong? Uh, so hopefully, I'm not sure how long Ishii is in the States. Hopefully, he can do another shot, and we do get like a, a big singles match with somebody on the AW roster. Yeah. So, yeah. And my question is, is Mikey Nichols still a Chaos member? I don't know. I mean, uh, Shane Thorne was just released, and, you know, there are, they're throwing out TMDK stuff all over Twitter. Obviously, Jonah is now a part of uh, New Japan and, and Impact, so... It seems like the My Don't Need are getting back together, but I don't know if, you know, Chaos... So what? The Best Friends are a subgroup of Chaos now. Why can't the Mighty Don't Need so, be a I was say, like, I don't know if uh, if Rocky's, you know... We can, we can, I can text him and ask him if he's, if he's bringing Jonah in, if he's bringing Shane Thorne back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's going to do it for Ishii. Congratulations. And uh, we have day four of World Tag League. Uh, day five of Best of the Super Juniors, day six of World Tag League, and day seven of Best of the Super Juniors. And, you know, we had four shows here, Jeremy, two of one tournament, two of the other. Uh, two of these shows had no commentary whatsoever. Bro, nature is healing. You know things <laughs> are going back to normal when you have VOD in the start of the tour, no commentary ever, some random gymnasium building, and... We're, we're back, baby. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I preferred before in the past when they had just the single cam shows. You remember those? Yeah. And this one wasn't single cam. They were just no commentary, but they still had like the four uh, camera production. And the camera, the, the actual camera quality was just slightly below what you'd get on your standard, you know, New Japan road to type level show. But um, I didn't know how you want to do this. I know it's 11 o'clock right now. I don't want to be doing this all night. I know we usually do marathons. I was thinking maybe we just go through the results and talk about some of the major matches and major talking points. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, guys, like, 
I don't have a ton of notes. I, I did watch all these shows, but I don't have a ton of notes. You can look at my star ratings on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. Finally today, I, I got I finally got two matches, uh, four stars and above, but there hasn't been anything really great on this tour so far. Oh, you went two, you went four stars on the semi-main event and the main event of today's show? Yes. Mm, I don't know if I would have gone that high, but yeah, I, I thought both those shows were very good, and I do agree with that. So, um let's just run through the results here real quick and then we'll have it. We could discuss tag league and then discuss super juniors and then be on our merry way. (laughs) So I'll start with world tag league. So, uh, day four, night two, uh, Oiwa and Nakashima, they wrestled to a 10 minute time limit draw. God defeated uh, tiger mask and Yuji Nagata chaos defeated the Tenkoji team, Tanahashi and Yot and Yano defeated great bash heel. United Empire defeated House of Torture. LIJ defeated Suzuki Goon. And the Dangerous Techers defeated Fale and Chase Owens. Um, on day five, night three of Best Super Juniors, uh, Fujita and Yuto Nakashima wrestled to a 10-minute time limit draw as well. Um, we do not have tape of this, though, because it's one of those uh, no-commentary shows. Phantasmo defeated Doki. Bushi defeated Yo. Show defeated Taguchi. Ishimori defeated Robbie Eagles in the, what can be labeled an upset. Hiromu defeated Kanemaru. And El Desperado defeated Master Wato in the main event. Day six of World Tag League. Night three, we had Fujita and Oiwa wrestling to a 10-minute draw. Then we had Tanahashi and Yano defeating um, Blue Tigers. United Empire defeated Suzuki Goon. Bullet Club defeated House of Torture. L.I.J. defeated Great Bash Heel. Dangerous Techers defeated Tenkoji in the semi-main event. And then in the main event, we had the Chaos team defeating G.O.D. 20 minutes, 2 seconds. And then Day 7, Best Super Juniors Night 4, Oiwa Nakashima wrestled to another 10-minute time on the draw. Kanemaru defeated Doki. Ishimori defeated Wato. Taguchi defeated Yo. Um, with that defeat, Yo is on the brink of being out of this tournament. If he loses one more time, he will be completely eliminated. Mm. Show defeated Bushi. Robbie Eagles defeated El Phantasmo in um, you know, pretty competitive match. And then the main event, El Desperado, the current IWGB junior heavyweight champion, he went to a time limit draw with Hiromu Takahashi. So we've got standings here. We've got schedules. We've got a lot to kind of unload. And now... Uh, Jeremy, what are you thinking here? Where do you want to start? Yeah, first I'll just say overall, I mean, like I said, there's been, you know, it's it's good wrestling. It's solid three-star wrestling across the board. There hasn't really been anything that's completely awful. Uh, I mean, I am kind of sick already of the, the House of Torture stuff that we're getting in both tournaments. We're getting it on the, the tag, like, tag league side with Evil and Udrill, and then we're getting it in Super Juniors with Show and it. Like we talked about last week, it's more disappointing with Show because he's a guy he killed in this tournament last year. He's a guy who could be having great matches, but all of his matches, he's pulling the wrench out. Um, you know, there's there's all this interference, and it's just absolutely horrible. Um, Taiji Ishimori, he's been really utilizing the bone lock in his matches, working over uh, shoulders and arms of his opponents, getting some tap-out wins. Uh, United Empire, um, Aaron Hanari Okan, they've been using a new tag finisher. It's a finisher that... Ocon used when he was in uh, part of Legion in the Rev Pro, and that's been picking some victories up for those guys. Um, we had a Bullet Club versus Bullet Club with um, Fale and Chase against House of Torture. 
They seemed, you know, they're kind of too sweet at the beginning, but, you know, it kind of broke down into the match, and there wasn't too much heat, it seemed, between them. So, obviously, there's still the potential for something coming down the road with Bull Club and House of Torture. LJs look good. Techers have looked good. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, you know, from uh, night three of Super Juniors was day five overall, the whole tour. Like I mentioned earlier, I really loved the semi-main event of um, ELP. Actually, sorry, day seven of the tour, night four of Super Juniors. Uh, semi-main event, Eagles defeating Phantasma. I went four stars flat on that match. Thought it was good. Those guys have great chemistry. I uh, thought they worked really well together. And it's, you know, a lot of high flying. We talk about, you know, some of what we're missing in the junior division is that kind of high-flying offense. I thought these guys brought it here. And then the the main event, you know, that big rematch, Despi and Hiromu, I went four and a half on this matchup here. And just really good stuff here. Despi, whole tournament working over people's knees so he can hit that um, numero dos. And uh, Hiromu in this match really wanted to give him the D and uh, get him and, you know, tap out with a triangle. Couldn't do it, but awesome on uh, 30 minutes here. Yeah, that's a, uh, some great stuff there. Um, I've also noticed, um, so, you know, initially during the tour, they started off with the Young Lions kind of telling a story of Nakashima, um, getting his shoulders sort of attacked. And it seems like he's made the proper adjustments to kind of be more on an even playing level with uh, Oiwa and Fujita. Uh, even going as far as, I think on day four, he finished the match in a Boston Crab, and it looked like he was maybe going to defeat Oiwa. Um and kind of in a similar situation with Fujita the next night, I assume just based on the way they book. So sort of seems like all three of them are kind of more on an even playing level now that Nakashima's sort of back in the swing of things. A um, couple talking points on tag league. Uh, some of the teams that have sort of impressed me, you know, the funny thing is even though they're probably going to lose all their matches, this team of Suzuki and Takamichinoku have just kind of been having, in my opinion, maybe the most interesting matches i wouldn't go as far as to call them the best matches because i don't think they're performing at a higher level than say like god or goto and yoshihashi necessarily but they're kind of just telling different stories than the rest of the group is and they're usually very simple easy to follow and kind of entertaining and talk is just getting his ass beat and it's kind of <laughs> refreshing <laughs> so i'm kind of enjoying them as a team i think probably more than most of the other teams uh, that are competing here, but I have been impressed with GOD um, for what that's worth. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. It, Chaos coming off looking really good. You know, yeah. Naito's doing a lot more work than I expected. Dude, for this this man's Sada. coming out into suits uh, on BOD shows. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he's like, he knows that he doesn't have anything lined up for Wrestle Kingdom. So he's like, all right, well, I, Gotta make the best of what I've got. <laughs> um, uh, find a very interesting House of Torture are zero and three right now. Yeah, and their matches have been the worst of the, uh, like you mentioned, just not impressed whatsoever. Uh, I, I've kind of been impressed with uh, Chase and Fale. They're, they've always kind of been a group that I've sort of liked, but in an underling sort of way, like comedic relief. But they've kind of been working really hard. They have been, yeah. And having, like, I wouldn't call them classics. They're still three-star matches. But for those two to have three-star matches counts a lot more than the rest of everybody else because they're working hard to have those three-star <laughs> matches. Well, especially in this tag league environment, in a clap crowd environment. Yeah. They, right. I mean, you know, Chase, he worked very hard in the G1. And also that's 
you know, spilling over here in the tag league and follow. We haven't seen him in a while. So, you know, you know, maybe he's motivated and wants to you know, show off since he's been off for a while. Yeah. Um, moving on to the super juniors though. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing we got some questions about, but you know, show eating all these losses in a row. You mean, uh, yo? I'm sorry. Yes. Yo. And that's sort of reminiscent in a way. Uh, it echoes what occurred during the, um, super junior tag league when him and show went on that early losing streak and then never really recovered and pretty much lost every match in the tournament. And he's kind of on the same trajectory. And one has to wonder if that means that this is like the beginning of some sort of redemption story for him, maybe not even within this tournament necessarily, but just overall, you know, right. Um, Um, Gucci did have some interesting comments after their match today saying, you know, he should, drop the yo and go back to his uh, original name of Yohei Kamatsu and kind of just reinvent himself and totally break away from the Rapungi 3K uh, version of himself. But that's what uh, Jay was calling him when Jay was trying to, you know, basically corrupt him when they were all members of Chaos. So I don't, I wouldn't go that way because then, then Jay wins, you know? Um. Hiromu has gone back to the shorts for the remainder of the tour, which I'm not a big fan of. They just look shindy as fuck. I know. The first time he wore the pants, I was like, ah, confirmed listener, Hiromu Takahashi. Right. <laughs> and then he was like, nah. <laughs> um, I do agree with you when you say show um, is kind of disappointing, but in another sense, I'm kind of thankful because it could be worse. He's not really coming out there with like a Dick Togo or a second who's interfering in the matches. And even though he's not wrestling up to the level that we know he's capable of, he's mainly just kind of um, resigned his cheating to like a ref bump, below blow and a, a run shot, which when you compare that to the rest of Togoism, it's less egregious, I guess. Yeah. And um, he's picking up a lot of wins and it looks like so is ELP and I'm starting to kind of think maybe we were a little too gung-ho thinking Hiromu is for sure the only guy that could like just run through this thing and uh, some of these point totals are starting to kind of look like well maybe there are some other contenders with two nights wrestle game we haven't really considered right so yeah right now show is the only undefeated guy he's at the top of the block uh, 4-0 with eight points um, below him, you got guys with six points like Kanemaru and Taiji Shimori. Kanemaru, a very interesting one here at six points. You know, he's been doing a uh, jump zone action, jumping people uh, during entrances and pretty much using any dirty trick he can to get the one up in his matches. Almost every match he's jumped somebody. So that's kind of his deal during this, uh, you know, little tour as well. I think Ishimori is the guy, in my opinion, that's working the hardest on the tour. Yes. Yeah. He's been working really hard. Like I mentioned earlier, he's been using that, uh, the bone lock, which is the, uh, the border city stretch jurisdiction, uh, working over the the arm and the shoulder on his opponents, and just some really good storytelling there, and just mixing that that high speed while working on the arms. On night three, him and Robbie Eagles had what was in my yes. opinion the match of that night, and he employed this uh, shoulder breaker maneuver. I mean, it's 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 a variation on the shoulder breaker, but he did it like two or three times to Eagles, and every time it looked super nasty. They told a really good little story. and I mean, like Jeremy said, this has been a three-star tour. I mean, it's been nothing but, for the most part, quality. You have a few House of Torture outliers that are, like, less than three here or there. But for the most part, it's been all quality. 
but there's not really been a lot to kind of get super excited about or sink your teeth into. But the big talking points, and I guess we should just jump into it. Today's show, day seven, night four of Super Juniors, um, the top two matches at the end of the tournament um, or the end of the evening, Eagles versus Phantasmo and Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi. In my opinion, these were the first two times that it felt like we were getting even into recommended territory for that portion of the tournament. Definitely. Like like I said before, before that day, like there was nothing I had above four stars and then get to these two main events and there are also two heated feuds here. I'll see uh, Eagles, you know, he used to be a part of Bull Club and essentially got replaced by ELP in that tag team with Taiji Ishimori. And so I'll see a lot of heat and rivalry between those two guys. And again, it's a very high pace, high flying. Uh, Phantasmos continuing to use the sudden death boot. We've seen in the matches, he kicks people in the guts and they kind of yep. dub, they double over. Um, so he tried to use that to his advantage here, but uh, Eagles was kind of able to one up him, got a quick uh, victory roll win at the end here. Uh, really good match with those guys. Yeah, this one was interesting because he he uh, had stepped on the hands of Robbie Eagles and then was looking to set up that sudden death and then a CR2. And um, Eagles had, or you know what it was, he stepped on his hands and then went for the CR2. Mm-hmm. And Eagle's hands were hurt, but he was able to do a Hurricane Rana pin and and kind of um you know catch him off guard. And there's been a lot of pinfalls like that through this tournament. A lot of like roll ups. Everyone's just kind of going back to their amateur roots in this tournament. I've noticed not a lot yeah. of like you know fit, I don't know. I it just seems like there's more of that going on. Yeah, going more roll ups, more flash pins. It's been yeah interesting booking here so far. Also, Hiromu, um, that one pinfall that he used on Yo the first evening, he's gone on to use that in almost all his matches, and apparently it's like a new sig- signature. Like, I forgot the name of it. I saw it published somewhere, but it's it does have a name. It's an actual, you know, it's akin to, like, some of the pinfalls that Zach uses, like the, right. or like the ghetto clutch, that sort of thing. I think it has, like, a weird name, like Zach. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I forget what. It's like a super, like, long, like, convoluted name, I thought. I didn't hear that. I read it somewhere. I don't recall the name of it. But, yeah, I did like this um, Phantasmo Eagles match a lot. Um, it's got a pretty good rating on um, uh, Grapple. It's at 3.63, which is, you know, you always have to round up a little bit for them. I am I was 3.75 on this match, so maybe more in line with the, uh, the Grapple users here. But definitely a recommended match, in my opinion. And, yeah. you know, kind of considering the history between Eagles and El Fantasmo, I think it was also, you know, a fitting match to kind of play off of their history as well. Yeah. And then the, that big main event, Desperado and Hiromu, I'll see last year's Super Junior Finals had a, a some, what some people thought was a match of the year quality, had a lot of rave reviews. So a uh, big rematch here, and I thought they worked a great match up here from the opening bell. They ran at each other, uh, shoulder block strikes. Um, you know, Hiromi was just killing off but big spots. He did eventually hit the, the sunset flip bomb to the floor. Uh, Despy at one point got a chair and worked over Hiromu's knee on the ramp, uh, went for a pin. Uh, Red Shoes wouldn't count it, got pissed at Red Shoes. Um, it's a lot of great uh, back and forth here. Desperado is really focusing on the knee. Anytime Hiromu got the upper hand, just kicked the knee, worked the knee, 
was looking for that um, the numero dose, and there's a lot of it's a lot of great counters, especially. And then Hiromi was going, I mentioned earlier, was going for the D, which is his uh, triangle choke hole, and it's back and forth. Those guys went exchanging those holds. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, with this one, it's I one thing that it calls to question for me is when you have a single block tournament like this, it means everyone has to fight everyone, and in theory, that's a good thing, but. You know, I think about how this match was sort of held off all year long since that big what well, where did they wrestle? Was it Sumo Hall last time? I think so, yeah. I believe it was, yeah. And you know, it, that was a match that was like you know, it meant so much for both characters and meant so much for both of them in terms of their position in the company and marketability and everything like that. And they held it off doing the rematch all year. And every time it looked like maybe we're on the path to getting that rematch just never happened. And so that's why a lot of people were sort of like, Oh man, they're going to do the rematch probably next year at wrestle kingdom, which would be a big deal. Cause they, you know, they only wrestled in the super junior finals last year. They've never wrestled each other on the, you know, the Tokyo dome stage. And then they still, but then because it's a single block tournament, they have to fight each other at least once. Right. And then maybe again in a tournament final, possibly. And then maybe again at Wrestle Kingdom, if that's the way it all plays out. And I don't even know if that's what they're going to end up doing, but just considering the level of this like feud, I would hate if that's the way it plays out. And that's why I'm not a big proponent of these single block tournaments. I would have loved for them to have been kept, kept apart and maybe done uh, you know, a Super Juniors tournament final, you know, rematch or, you know, the big match in the Dome. I don't know. But um, putting all that aside, the match itself was fantastic. I just think it needed a bit like a bigger stage and a more lively crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite four and a half on it. I probably went like four and a quarter. But uh, this is by far the standout match of the tournament. It's your first you know, junior match the year contender for 2022 because we are in the grading period for 2022 currently. And there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, the strike exchanges were awesome. Um, like you mentioned, Hiromu was really looking for, you know, that triangle choke, the D, and conversely, um, there was a long stretch of heat where Desperado was working over the knee. Uh, to try and set up for the numero dos. And both those guys were trying to work their di- various different games. They know each other so well. They know each other's tactics. And, you know, last year's uh, Super Junior Tournament final, I think they went past the 30-minute mark. So it makes sense that neither one of them are able to beat the other one within a 30-minute period at this point in their careers. And it makes you wonder, are we going to see them fi- face off again in a junior tournament final? Or... You know, is this sort of uh, Hiromu's, like, maybe Hiromu doesn't win this tournament, but because he drew with the champion, they still need to face off at uh, Wrestle Kingdom in some capacity. So, I don't know, but the match is fantastic. If you guys haven't seen it, highly recommend it. And it was kind of cool to get a, a draw, because I don't even think we got any during the G1 this year. So it's kind of Yeah, and usually a lot of people kind of throw randomly predict draws and you know pick them to stuff like that so first time in a while that we've gotten a draw in one of these tournaments uh, towards the end here it's kind of a, a little scramble to the finish uh Hiromu hit the victory royale on desperado and he was looking for time bomb too but Desperado was able to block that and then uh time ran out before 
uh, Despy could uh, ca- you know, capitalize on that counter of the time bomb too. Oh, there was that one. was that was the cool thing was it looked like Hiromu was in control and the guy that was getting ready to finish Despy, but as the time ran out, Despy countered time bomb two and got his own like flash pinning sequence, and it looked like. Had there been a pinfall, he wouldn't have been able to kick out. So it was like, who really was winning that situation? It's hard to tell. Yeah. There was one uh, shotgun dropkick in this match where Hiromu, like, kicked uh, Despy into the guardrails, and it was just, like, nasty. Like, Despy, like, just died into the guardrails. Yeah, and, I mean, that's cool, but, you know, it's Super Juniors. There shouldn't even be guardrails. Exactly. The, the, <laughs> the Eagles match, both I think both of them did, like, dive and, like, crashed into the guardrails. And then Despy, I think he did a tope con, con Giro in this match where he – uh, freaking dived it. Yeah, it was Despi. He dived the Topic and Giro, hit the guardrails. I'm like, come on, man. So we got a few questions here. Um, Soapy Smith the second said, what do you guys see as Yo's trajectory going into 2022 and beyond? With him kind of floundering in Super Junior so far and losing the show rubber match at Wrestle Grand Slam, he seems very direct- directionless at the moment. Yeah, I mean... At this point, that like we mentioned before, there's got to be some kind of changing character. There's got to be something to him, um, or else he's going to be kind of stuck, kind of floundering in, in this role. There's got to be some kind of change, some kind of motivation, and maybe, like you mentioned, maybe this losing streak is kind of the breaking point and something that's going to get him to the next level and get him to be able to get on show's level. He also said uh, it was mentioned, I believe, in the last episode about Show being a more natural babyface, while Yo should have been heel in the Rapongi 3K split. To which he says, "I totally agree." Before the split, I always fantasy booked Yo turning heel on Show and joining the United Empire as their local Japanese junior. Uh, what with Osprey's connections and all, and now that seems unlikely. Sucks as I'm a huge fan of both guys, and they both seem to be playing against type, so to speak. And you know, I gotta agree. I mean. He's pretty much echoing the talking points that I presented uh, a week or so ago. And I agree with you, Jeremy. I mean, um, I do think that both guys have been slotted incorrectly. At this point, they got to play the hand that they've been dealt. But um, I don't really know what the best case scenario for you at this point is. They're telling some sort of redemption angle where he's needing to find himself. And if that is something that that's a story that they're telling and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you know, uh, it seems that there's enough evidence to indicate that there's a possibility of that. Um, That might be a good thing because right now, I mean, it does not seem like he's winning this tournament. It does not seem like he's hot. doesn't seem like he even has like a lot, you know, the kind of support that you'd expect you know, from a guy that came back from injury and what seemed so hot earlier in the year, that's all kind of gone by the wayside. And so, yeah, it is sort of like, what is next for Yo? I mean, I can't predict it. I mean, he sort of feels in no man's land, like with the Juice Robinsons and Finn Juices of the world, you know? Definitely. is. Yeah, where, where does this guy go from here? Like, like we mentioned, like, he should have been the one that turned. He should have been the heel, joined you know, maybe he should have joined Bullet Club. Maybe he should have joined United Empire and kind of go off that show, being the more charismatic and kind of build up this goodwill. Um, you know, what matches with Chingo and stuff like that, and these, facing these heavyweights, like, I think they made a, a booking misstep here. But like you say, yeah, they have to uh, go of it now and just hopefully Yo can recover. And he does just kind of end up as that, you know, guy that's kind of floating in opening matches and he's, you know, teaming with Tiger Mask or whoever, you know. 
Dom Homie One had a few questions. He said, is it me or are the fans overreacting by comparing show to evil? In my opinion, you can't compare the two. It feels like show's cheating tactics are not as over the top as evil's. Yeah, it's not over as over top as evil. Like you mentioned, it's not, you're not getting Dick Togo in every one of his matches. It, you're not getting the lights turned out. It's it's not as bad as the evil matches. However, it show it's a guy who we've seen have bangers of everybody in this junior division. He's had bangers with guys like Shingo. Uh, show is usually one of the top highlights in a tournament situation like this, and and he's not because he has to play the gimmick. He has to do ref bumps. He has to get the wrench. And it just kind of throws a dynamic off of his matches. And um, it's not as bad as Evil, but it's still bad. I mean, he's he hasn't had any standout matches yet. And at this point in the tournament, you think a guy like Show would be one of the guys working really hard. Not that he's not working hard, but he's just so focused in on this gimmick and the House of Torture thing that it's just kind of lowering the appeal of his matches. Right. And I agree with that. Um, you know, at this point... Uh, I mean, it's really, I kind of already made the point earlier in the episode that show isn't as egregious a perpetrator when it comes to like fucking off in matches as some of the other like house torture guys. But just like you said, he's not necessarily living up to the in-ring potential that we've become accustomed to. And that makes sense because he's a heel. Uh, I'm kind of just at a point where it's like, well, I don't know. I'll use kind of like the wait and see approach because right now I'm not a big proponent of it. But you know, we've seen this with other guys in the past, especially when they first make a big splash as a heel initially. Like, for instance, Jay White in his first G1, and over time, they didn't necessarily need to rely so much on all of that bad character work, you know, uh, to kind of tell their story. It was sort of just something to set the tone and expectation for them early on. And I do think it's encouraging the fact that he doesn't have a a bunch of seconds. He doesn't have guys running interference for him. He's just kind of having a certain tone of match and then cheating at the end, which, you know, it's fine. I mean, ELP did a lot of that when he first came into the company as well. Right. So hopefully it's just him establishing the character for now and down the road, we'll get some uh, better matches out of him. He also asked, is NJPW trying to tell a comeback story with Yo in this tournament? Which I think we did address that. I don't know if, I personally don't know if it's just contained to this tournament. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if he, I, I'm not saying he's going to lose the next match for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does get eliminated pretty early on and doesn't make it to, you know, final, you know, final scenarios on those last few nights. And if that's the case, then I think that if they are telling redemption story, it's not just in this tournament, but it's a longer story arc than just all that. Yeah, and it's very interesting. Obviously, show is the complete opposite. Show was four and eight points, and then Yo is zero and four, you know, zero points. So these guys are going two different directions. They're, they're telling the story here of Yo kind of being broken without show and really being hurt by that broken. betrayal. <laughs> broken, yes, and so. Uh, we'll see what happens here, but I think they're definitely telling the story, but I agree with you. I think it could be something that plays out longer than just this tournament. Final question. Is it me or is Master Watto improving? You guys just look at uh, his match with Robbie Eagles and you can see the improvement. Yeah, here's the thing with Master Watto. I, for me, I still think he's kind of hit or miss. I think he has his really good nights, like the Robbie Eagles night, where 
He looks really good. He's hitting all his spots. He's uh, you know the kicks look good. The tornillos look good. And then he just has other nights where he's just okay, or maybe he misses some spots. To me, he's still kind of spotty. I think it's just who he's working with. I do feel like he has more confidence than he's had in the past. Uh, and so far in this tournament, I think he's been very good. And the Eagles match is probably one of the best matches he's had so far. But I, I, I don't know if it's like a full improvement or he's just, I don't know, just getting some better footing or has better importance right now. I'm not sure. I mean, I do think he's improved. And we said that, um, you know, at the end of last year when he had a match with Robbie Eagles that was non-title and it was on one of those road two shows. So, it's, he, he has improved, but they also – okay, for instance, last year they gave him a chance against um, – I wouldn't say like – well, it's a lot of the same guys, so I wouldn't say stars. But what I mean is last year they put him in a lot of semi-main events and even a main event and put him gave him a lot of time. And so they put him in these positions to really like where he needed to step up and improve and perform and prove himself. And this time they've kind of put him in that like 12 to 15 minute range, second, third match of the night, sometimes opening and he's done fine, but it's, it's kind of hard to compare that to what they would were setting him up to do in the previous tournament, you know? Yeah. And sure he's improved, but I mean, they're not giving him the time to like go out there and prove if he can go on a major, you know, main event level in this division or not. So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, Watto's like there, you know, right now he just feels like a regular guy, like a Ujiro or something like that. And it's fine. He can go out there and perform and have good matches. Everyone in New Japan can, but you know, he doesn't feel special or stand out in any way. Maybe that will change during this tournament. But right now, I mean, I'm not, like, overly impressed or anything. Yeah, I mean, he did have the one main event so far with Despy on uh, night three of the Super Junior Tournament. That's the only, I think, the only main event that he's had or something I mean, close to top. Oh, four. that's right. But that one, for me, didn't even feel like a main event because we you couldn't even watch the whole event as one thing. You had to watch each individual match video on demand. So... That that's might also play into it a little bit. Yeah. And I think that is it for the question. So our World Tag League standings on top of the block, we have Naito and Sonata and Tanahashi and Yano and Dangerous Techers. They're all 3-0 and with six points. Then with four points, we have Girls of Destiny, Fale and Chase, Goto and Yoshihashi, and the United Empire with two points. We have Tenkozy. And then 0-3, no points. We have Great Bash Heel, House of Torture, Nagata and Tiger Mask, and Suzuki and Taka Michinoku. Then we have the upcoming schedule here. So night four of World Tag League will happen on Tuesday, November 23rd, with the main event, Tanahashi and Yano against LIJ, Naito and Tanada. Then we'll have Dangerous Techers versus United Empire, Suzuki and Taka versus Girls of Destiny, Great Bash Heel versus Fale and Chase, Tenkozy versus House of Torture, Nagata and Tiger Mask versus Goto and Yoshihashi. And then the show will open up with Nakashima versus Fujita. Then on night five of the World Tag League, November 20, Sunday, November 28th, main event will be Dangerous Techers versus Girls of Destiny. Nagata and Tiger Mask versus Suzuki and Taka. Goto and Yoshihashi versus House of Torture. Tanahashi and Yano versus Great Okan and Erinare, United Empire. LIJ, Naito and Tanada versus Fale and Chase Owens. Great Bash Heel versus Tenkozy, and then Nakashima versus Oiwa as the opener. And then night six, the last night that will happen before we record next, will be Tuesday, November 30th. 
And the main event here will be the LIJ team of Naito Tanada versus the United Empire, Okan, and Aaron Hanare. Then we'll have Tanahashi and Yano versus Dangerous Techers. Tenkozi versus Gorillas of Destiny. Great Bash Heel versus Goto and Yoshihashi. Nagata and Tiger Mask versus House of Torture. And then Suzuki and Taka versus Fale and Chase with the opener of Nakashima versus Oiwa. Then for the best of the Super Junior, the standings, we have Sho on top of the block with eight points. He's four and oh. Then with six points, we have Kanamaru and Ishimori. Six points, they're three and one. Then Hiromu has five points. He has uh, two wins, one loss, and one draw. Then with four points, we have Doki, Eagles, Bushi, Taguchi, all two and two. Then with three points, we have El Desperado. He has one win, two losses, one draw. Then with two points, we have ELP, one and three. Master Wato also with two points. And then with zero points, we mentioned Yo, he is 0 and 4. Then for the upcoming Super Junior Night, so for Super Junior's Night 5 happening Wednesday, November 24th, we have a main event of Hiromi versus Bushi. Then it'll be Taiji Ishimori versus ELP, Desperado versus Doki, Show versus Kanamaru, Eagles versus Yo, Taguchi versus Master Wato, and an opener of Oiwa versus Vegeta. Then on night six, Saturday, November 27th, the main event of Hiromi versus Taiji Ishimori, Robbie Eagles versus Despi, Bushi versus ELP, Yo versus Master Wato, Sho versus Doki, Taguchi versus Kanamaru, and an opener of Nakashima versus Oiwa. Then night seven will be November 29th, and we'll have a main event of Hiromi versus ELP, Despi versus Kanamaru, Sho versus Master Wato, Yo versus Taiji Ishimori. Eagles versus Bushi, Taguchi versus Doki, and an opener of Oiwa versus Vegeta. Great. Awesome. Um, I wasn't sure if you had any other discussion around these standings or anything on these cards that, you know, really pique your interest. For me, I mean, I feel like we did a pretty in-depth, you know, discussion about most teams or at least the interesting things that stand out. I don't have any... um, changes to like my predictions of who's going to win in either of these two tournaments personally right now. I think it's pretty much the same, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you have a change perspective as this tournament's going on. Uh, like you mentioned, I, I don't think show is a guy to continue to keep our eyes on. Obviously starting off hot. Usually when you start off hot, you usually kind of going on a losing streak. Burnout. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, he is one third never champs and it'd be interesting. He could, you know, with Ishii being never champ, we've seen, the junior titles tied together to tag and singles. Maybe the never and never six can get tied together. Maybe show somehow ends up getting a, a shot at easy for the never title uh, by doing well in this tournament. So maybe he's a guy to keep our eyes out on, but I still think, you know, Hiromu Eagles, Despy, those are going to be guys that kind of finish toward the top of the block. Nice. And then as far well, as like the upcoming stuff, I think uh, night five should be an interesting night. We have a lot of uh, faction mates going against each other with Hiromu and Bushi, Taichi and ELP. Despy and Doki, so a lot of uh, interfaction matches that night. Okay. You mean night five of Super Juniors? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking at it. That stuff looks good. Um, Hiroma versus ELP, that's an interesting match on November 29th. I think the only other singles match they've had is at last year's Wrestle Kingdom, which, by the way, people, maybe someone can write into us and explain. Uh, I both me and Jeremy and I even talked to Rich. We all had that match rated about four stars flat uh, when they faced off at Wrestle Kingdom last year. But when you look at the match ratings on uh, Cage Match and Grapple, 
they're nowhere near four stars. <laughs> it's it's kind of strange why that one match seems to be an anomaly in all the year's ratings where it just doesn't seem to line up with what we typically tend to expect from like a, you know, a junior title match at Wrestle Kingdom with two flippy guys like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird. Super weird. But um, that match is one that I think um, is worth like paying attention to. And that's on the 28th or I'm sorry, that's on the 29th. And uh, Desperado is also wrestling Kenamaro that night as well. So stablemates facing off there too. Yeah. So some interesting stuff coming up this uh, upcoming week. New Japan strong uh, was this past Saturday, November 20th. Um, in the opening match, Finn Juice, they defeated the Young Lion team of Kevin Knight, Yuya Yamura. Uh, second match of the night, we had the team of Bull Club, Chris Bay and El Fantasmo. They defeated Arya Davari and Leo Rush. And the main event was TJP as he defeated Clark Connors. This match even got the full big match treatment with video package and, and the likes. Um, I thought this was an okay Strong uh, wasn't necessarily on the level of maybe, say, the previous week's episode. Uh, but the matches, in my opinion, were pretty good. Um, very impressed with Kevin Knight and Yuya Mora uh, mm-hmm. going head-to-head with Finn Juice. Obviously, the veterans got the, picked up the win there. Um, and then the Bull Club match, where they defeated Leo Rush and Ari Davari, was fine. A lot of, you know, kind of flippy elements. Um sort of still on the fence about how I feel about Arya Davari as he interacts in this sort of newer environment. I don't yeah. know if he's a perfect fit, personally. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. And with these two opening matches, too, I felt like there was a ton of, like, storyline development here. Um, I'll see what the Young Lions are trying to impress and improve against Finn Juice. And then, you know, Bull Club, we've seen them have a feud with Leo Rush since he's been on Strong, but, you know, that... Kind of hasn't really happened in a while, and so but kind of like a random match, and so not a ton of sinker's teeth in with those first two matches. Yeah, and this crowd I thought was pretty good on the first night of the tour, but on the second night they seemed to be a little more docile, and I don't know if, you know, because they got burned out the night before, but we'll we'll see as we continue to watch this uh, showdown series. But uh, the main event I thought was pretty good. TJP and Clark Connors are both really great wrestlers. I think put in front of a more lively crowd, they might have had a – or, you know, the match might have been even perceived better. But uh, top to bottom, I mean, I thought this was a good match. And, you know, Clark Connors came in there with the taped-up uh, shoulder, and that really played into the overall story of the match. You yeah, know, and his, he, uh, his knee was taped up too. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, gotcha. TJP did the, uh, the dragon screw in the, in the ropes at one point. That's right. He was going extensively after both of those extremities, so – it kind of gave Clark Connors, you know, who's also a younger rookie um, in terms of like his comparison to TJP, sort of an excuse as an out to why he lost. Well, but, TJP um, still cheated too. He he held the ropes down on that, that roll up. He did. And if you notice the way the roll up itself also kind of like utilized um, a lot of leverage and pressure on that. So obviously you're always putting pressure on your shoulders, but like, the way he did it specifically, it played off the fact that that shoulder was injured as well. So, um, thought the match was pretty good, though. Uh, a good little main event. Yeah, and it continues and the uh, the LA Dojo United Empire feud. Absolutely. So we had matches announced for NJPW Strong Nemesis. The TV tapings they're going to be held Thursday, December 9th, seven PM Pacific time, and some pretty big names, some big matchups listed here. So. 
uh, we're going to be getting um, TJP taking on the DKC in singles actions. Um, actions. Action. Uh, Carl Fredericks and Kevin Knight will be taking on Stray Dog Army and Bateman and Mysterioso. Brody King will be wrestling Dave Dutra. I don't even know who that is. Do you? I don't. I think he's like a, a top independent guy in the California area. Okay. Um, Alex Zane will be facing Arya Davari in singles action. Dave Finley will be wrestling Jonah, just Jonah, not <laughs> Jonah Rock. And then the main event uh, they have listed is Jay White taking on the Switchblade, Christopher Daniels. There was also an announcement this week of um, Eddie Kingston being on this show as well, but they haven't announced any matches for him yet. Right. So, yeah, interesting set of tapings here. Um, you know, they, they released a promo of Switchblade. You know, he mentioned in Philadelphia that he wanted to have like an open door match. And then in the detonation tapings, they uh, aired that promo on Twitter with him, you know, saying, you know, he was opening the door. He wants to face the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. So that match will happen at Nemesis. So it'd be very interesting to have a fallen angel in uh, New Japan. And then also uh, Eddie Kingston, which his match with um, Mox against Archer and Suzuki should be airing sometime in the next couple of weeks, too. Nice. And that's pretty much it for the news. We didn't have any, any other news stuff besides the stuff that we've already covered in the show. The one thing I would uh, point out is the um, the United Empire team of um, Jeff Cobb and TJP. They won their tag team t- or their tag match that we mentioned last week with uh, Volador and Atlantis Jr. Mm. And they also kind of made mention that they're going to go on a rampage in CMLL and they want to pick up like, uh, I think he's, I think TJP is trying to challenge for the NWA world historic middleweight title or welterweight title, whichever one it is that Volador holds. And one of them is getting a title challenge very soon. So uh, it's kind of interesting. It's the first time in a while that there's been any sort of real substantial interactions between CMLL and NJPW contracted wrestlers and it seems like they're starting to build some sort of story around United Empire in CMLL which is also interesting because you know you've got Will and his guys over in Europe and then these guys here in Southern California and Mexico and then the, the guys in Japan they really are sort of like competing on three different continents simultaneously it's kind of crazy yeah I'm wondering if there's a potential to get a CMLL guy as a member I wonder. They, they've got so many people in the group already as is, and they haven't even all like come together before on screen. Right. And it, I mean, it could be like an offshoot member where he's like, never really shows up in Japan that much, but he's kind of like the, the Empire representative in Mexico, but we'll see. Oh, w- one other piece of news. Um, so today there was a match between Will Ospreay and uh, Shota Umino for Rev Pro. Oh, that and- match happened already? It did happen, and Will Ospreay did win, and he used the last the dragon. Oh. As as part of his finishing sequence to beat Shoto Mino, and then he declared that him and um, uh, Aussie Open were leaving to go to Japan, and Rep Pro could all fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that uh, Osprey like headbutted a fan at a, a Rep Pro show this weekend. I saw that. But I don't know anything about it. I didn't look into it. You know, he told me to fuck off that one time, so I'm not putting it past him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we have a few uh, last-minute questions here. Let's uh, run through these and then uh, recommended match of the week. 
Uh, so Barry Wall says, do you think with no white belt around that putting the belt on Chingar Will Ospreay with the new title was a way to test some of a belt in Okada with the V4 as a way to almost reset or go back to the tried and tested that does happen? Does that tarnish the reign of Shingo? Hmm. Interesting question. What do you think? Um, I definitely do think with the introduction of the World Heavyweight title and putting it on guys like Shingo and Will Ospreay, I do feel like that was, they wanted to kind of coronate those guys as maybe the new generation or the new faces of the promotion. Also, not having those guys kind of bypass that IC white strap potential run they might have had before they won the world title. Uh, so I definitely do see where that comes in play. Uh, with the V4, also we, we've talked about Okada and the V4 and his comments on potentially wanting to bring that back if he walks away with all three belts at the end of Wrestle Kingdom 16. And I do think it does hurt Shingo and it does hurt the, you know, it kind of screws up the whole title reign and history and all that stuff. And also they should have never done it, but at this point, you already did it. Just keep going. I think they should be trying their best to make the World Heavyweight title as prestigious as possible. And scrapping it and bringing back the V4, I feel, just kind of totally screws everything up. I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel like we're kind of like retreading old territory here, kind of discussing this. I feel like for about three weeks, we had extensive discussion about the V4 belt. Um, I don't know if, because like uh, Okada had mentioned previously, he may have some sort of other ulterior motives or plans once if he does hypothetically you know beat osprey and shingo so maybe they do have some sort of plan for the v4 bell and all the lineages but i'm, I'm not gonna go through all of that again but yeah. um yeah i do think that in the past having the white belt to sort of set up potential um world champions as a preliminary like as a preliminary act was something that was nice and you know good to have and the fact that it's not there kind of does suck and there is a chance that if Okada does do something different with this V4 belt, it could be sort of a slap in the face to guys like Shingo and Osprey down the road. Yeah. Next question. Any dream match that you'd like to see from the ages? For me, Prime Vader versus Brock would have been nice. Yeah, that's a good one. I've always had a few in mind, but, I mean, it sounds like he's talking about from NJPW just in general. Yeah. Um, You know... Liger versus the original Tiger Mask, something I always wish would have happened. Mm, yeah, that would be dope. Uh, what about uh, Saber versus Noki? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a lot you could do. I mean, um, Hashimoto versus Ishii would probably be fucking nuts. Oh, man. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any... I've got another one, Fujinami versus uh, Tanahashi mm. in their primes. Dynamite, oh my God. Dynamite Kid and Osprey. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> um, perfect. Uh, Scott Rand asks, what's next for Jay White, a return to Japan before his kingdom or more strong tapings? Sounds like he could do both. Yeah, also he's set for the, like we mentioned, the December Nemesis tapings, and then I think he's probably will head to Japan if he is 
Uh, he could head to Japan right after that, jump on that Royal Tokyo Dome tour and set his program up for Wrestle Kingdom. Then uh, next question's here from Hawaiian Punch BV. What do you think about the new batch of releases from WWE? Who would, who would you like to see compete in NJPW? Hmm. What are your thoughts? Um, I'll see. Uh, again, another talented set of uh, releases here for me the top name that I would go after is Shane Swerve Strickland uh, Swerve is a man he's an awesome professional wrestler I think he would fit right in with uh, New Japan he'd be the main guy I'd go after also there's also uh, Shane Thorne who has a history and also part of the My Don't Neal Mikey Nichols and Jonah um, you have Nichols and, and Jonah somewhat affiliated with New Japan I think it makes it probably makes sense to get Shane and you get him in in a, a world tag league kind of situation with him and Nichols. Yeah, uh, I pretty much agree with both of those things. Honestly, I th- WWE has had so many releases over the past year that I'm losing track of who was even involved in the most recent one. But if there was one guy out of that group that I would have notice of and be paying attention to, it's Shane Strickland. And I'm sure Tony Khan has his eyes on him and you know, I do know that he has close relationship with uh, m- many of the performers in New Japan, including, I believe, Rocky Romero, but, you know, even more namely him and Will Ospreay, um, going back to like the Rev Pro and the Independent Day. So I-, I would be more than happy if Shane Strickland somehow found his way to New Japan. What do you think about uh, Morrison? Do you think Morrison could fit in somehow? Remember when he said he wanted to go to Japan a couple years ago? Yeah. And he was in TNA. Um I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, I mean, I thought Morrison killed it uh, when he left it to be the first time and was doing Lucha Underground, doing Impact, and doing all these indies. Thought he got really, you know, really improved and proved to be a top guy. And so I uh, definitely think with his high-flying style, he could fit well into New Japan. And maybe he's a name you bring in as strong to really help elevate that brand. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this question says, now that Shane Hayes is released, time for Gato to book Mikey Nichols, Shane Hayes, and Jonah, the Mighty Don't Kneel, as Never Six Man Champs. Evil has held on to the top belt in the company for long enough. So I guess more of it's a uh, statement there than a question. Um, and also he says, thoughts on Kitamura's MMA debut. Where do you think he would be in his wrestling career if he stuck with it? Hmm. Um. Man, I don't know. Um. You want us to answer both of those at the same time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't see any like clips of Kitamura's MMA debut. I heard he lost. If I if I heard it correctly, he lost his his, uh, his debut this weekend. Did I not say that would probably happen? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, as far as like his wrestling career, like if he had stuck with it, I don't know. I mean it's hard to say what that really would have been, but based on his physique and the hype that was behind him, it seemed like the sky was the limit. Right. I mean, he got that big trial match series. They were getting ready to send him off to excursion. Like definitely seems like they were kind of fast tracking him to, you know, be ready to be a top guy. For sure. Did you, did you ask this question about why you don't kneel? Uh, was it? It wasn't really a question. It was just more of a statement. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was confused. Like the way that that was like read together, I was like, "Oh, do we need to like address the Mighty Don't Kneel as well, or no?" No, I, just, I think he was just saying Mighty Don't Kneel should be the Never Six Man Champs, and that Evil's held it long enough. 
<laughs> I, I'd prefer for Evil to just keep holding on to that. Just stay over there with that six-man title. <laughs> like, that's your area. You're good. I'm trying over to get there. Evil over into Noah. You know, just hang out, <laughs> hang out over there for a while. Noah and Chaco Pro? <laughs> yeah. Get him, him in. And Lulu Pencil? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, he also asked, thoughts on Sean Porter versus Terrence Crawford? Yeah. Um, I was wrong. I said that... Uh, Terrence Crawford would beat him, but, you know, probably wouldn't stop him. And he put this way, this man away in 10 rounds, made him retire. Um, you know, Terrence Crawford's the truth, man. He also said, bigger burial, Okada burying Noah or Kenny Porter burying his son? What? Who's Kenny Porter? Why was, what is he talking about? I, I have no idea. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> I guess I can go to the Google machine, but that sounds pretty dark. Like we don't really talk about people dying on here that often. I, I think not like burying, but like like talking bad about his son. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, that's Sean Porter's dad. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> like I was like, this whole thing took like a really dark turn for a second there. Um I actually didn't hear what Kenny Porter said about Sean Porter. So I don't know about all that. I, I saw the fight, but I didn't like keep up with the media or anything. Yeah. Um, but Okada really buried Noah. He did. <laughs> like bad. Uh, similar question from Dom Homie thoughts on the matchup and what should be next for Crawford. Well, the big thing is um, I think he's leaving top rank, which I felt like he needed to do for years because those promotional ties have kept him fighting lesser than opponents and kept him away from some of the big, you know, paydays that have been possibly afforded to him. So, you know, um, I think that would be the next good thing. Obviously the big match everyone wants is Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr., there's other fights on the table, but I mean, that's the only one that really matters. That's the big one that they can make the most money off of. So that's what I would do. And as far as like um, the match, I mean, I didn't think that uh, Terrence Crawford would stop him, but I'm not surprised he was able to. I do think that early on, especially in the first five rounds, it was very back and forth, but um, you know, he's bigger, longer, taller guy. And he figured out how to, shut down showtime so you know congrats to terrence crawford just proving again why he's the best of his generation in that weight class nice uh he also has thoughts on canelo moving up to cruiserweight to fight is that lunga makabu for the wbc cruiserweight championship yeah uh he said in my opinion i see the smoke and the mirrors in this situation there's a fight that people want to see but canelo can do anything he wants but I'm happy that Maccabi will get a big, uh, big time payday due to the fact that I feel like he will use the money to help out people in the Congo. Um, you know, I've heard the rumors. People think he's ducking Jamal Charlo. They think he's ducking David Benavides, and you know, they think it's a smoke and mirrors fight. Let me just tell you guys right now, <laughs> Canelo. Well, first off, if Canelo were to successfully defeat, uh this guy, Makambu, who I've never seen, but I've done some research on and He doesn't look like a killer, but like, let's put in perspective. He's a champion at 200 pounds. Um, Canelo started his career at 147 and then won his first title at 154. 
And there's no champion in history that has won titles in every weight class between 154 and 200. So for just that accomplishment alone, that would be noteworthy and historic, but it would also make him the first Mexican fighter in history to win world titles in five different weight classes. And there is a big difference between doing five weight classes at the lower weights where, you know, there's a lot more negotiation between those weights where it's like a six, seven, you know, pound stretch. And then that stretch between 154 and 200 going into heavyweight. I mean, I can name you the three fighters, Bob Fitzsimmons, Roy Jones Jr., James Tony, that have ever even done a 160 to 200 stretch. And none of them ever won all the belts, you know, or at least a title in each weight class on the way up. So um, I wouldn't call this like him ducking anybody because, I mean, when you are taking a fight against a guy that outweighs you by 40 to 50 pounds. Um, and they, and also they're the most experienced fighter in the weight class and they're a world champion and they've got the most knockouts of any fighter in the weight class. I mean, that's hardly a gimme fight. In fact, I, I don't know if I put money on Canelo for this fight whatsoever, but um, with all that being said, I'm excited to see it. It, it has a little bit of a freak show element to it. Um, I don't think Canelo was necessarily his best at 175 and i can only imagine what his frame is going to look like at 200 or what kind of weight he actually comes in at um but if he does it man you really got to start talking about canelo like as one of the greatest mexican fighters that have ever lived so um i can't wait as far as what's what's next from after that I've heard two rumors i've heard a rumor that he's actually looking to possibly go up to heavyweight <laughs> as crazy as that sounds and fight uh Usyk the other uh theory is that he's putting on this extra weight to get comfortable so he can cut down to 175 and either take on uh better Biev or Pivot Pivotal I think is his name um I I don't know how to pronounce either of their names but uh Canelo's just trying to do historic stuff and be the greatest of all time and I mean Based on his track record, I'd be hard-pressed to believe he's avoiding these two smaller fighters at 160 and 168 to take on a world champion at 200. So that's that's kind of my opinion on it. Yeah. His last question here. Any thoughts on Tefima Lopez versus George Cambosa? I'm rooting for George Cambosa to win and fight Devin Haney for all titles in the lightweight division since Tia was afraid of Devin Haney. Um, I mean, I don't believe that <laughs> Tiofimo is afraid of Devin Haney. Um, but yeah, I think the fight's going to be good. Uh, I've got my money on Lopez and I would love to see Lopez and Haney, you know, square up for all the titles. I think doesn't, um, Gervonta Davis also have like, I think he's got two WBA title, regular titles in two different weight classes and WBA is trying to clear up that whole situation. But, you know, that's another guy who you also have to kind of take into consideration plus Lomachenko and this whole lightweight title picture. Yeah. Well, last thing here, recommended match of the week. So last week I recommended for us to watch Jushin Thunder Liger versus Koji Kanemoto from January 4th, 1994. Jungbo, what do you think about this? So that was one of my big questions. Did you mean 1996? Uh, maybe. Or did, you mean the, or did you mean the match with them uh, when Kenemoto was Tiger Mask in 94? Uh, 
thought it was Kanemoto. I thought it was 90. Maybe I put the right, put the wrong date, but it was uh, Kanemoto. So they wrestled on January 4th in 1994 and in 1996. And in 1994, he was Tiger Mask 3. And in 1996, he was Koji Kanemoto. Hold on, let me see. I kind of just assumed you meant 1996 and watched that one. Yeah, go ahead and t- tell us about that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> I watched uh, Jushu Thunder Liger uh, versus Koji Kanemoto, January 4th, 1996. Um, Kanemoto came in as champion. Jushu Thunder Liger was able to beat him for you know another record-setting IWGP junior heavyweight title reign. And I thought the match was good. Dave gave it four stars for the time. Um, I'm a little more like three and a half. Um, I didn't think the match was a bad match or anything like that, but um, for what these guys are capable of at 18 minutes, 59 seconds, um, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, It was definitely like a strong match, but not overly like outstanding. Um. But it also had a very like fast pace. There wasn't a lot of downtime. It felt more like a higher work rate, like sort of constant action style match that we've had in like the last twenty years, as opposed to like how those junior matches were orchestrated in the nineties. But um, very little selling. The match was still pretty good, and it was you know good to see Liger pick up the big uh, you know title win in the Tokyo Dome. There is this the same one that you watched. Uh, so I, I haven't, haven't watched the recommended match of the week yet to, to full transparency. Been a kind of a crazy weekend, so I hadn't watched it yet. But there was a match that I picked up. It was one of their highly rated matches. So maybe it was kind of Melto as a Tiger Mask. Well, because the match from um, the Tokyo Dome in 1994 is not highly rated at all. And that's why I figured it wasn't that one. Gotcha. So I, I totally screwed up. I don't know what which match I was trying to do here. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> well, it's officially January fourth, nineteen ninety six. That's the one I watched, so that's the one it is. <laughs> okay. Well, for my next turn, maybe I'll try and find the match I was actually trying to pick. <laughs> nice. Well, um, the recommended match of the week this week. Um, we are going to go back just a little bit to King of Pro Wrestling, twenty sixteen. And um, the recommended match of the week is no Team Noah versus Team New Japan, as we have the matchup between Go Shiozaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Masakita Miya, and Maibok Taniguchi, as they take on the team of Hiroshi Tenzan, Manabu Nakanishi, Satoshi Kojima, and Yuji Nagata. Nice. Get us in that mood for some uh, New Japan versus Noah. Yeah, this is the last major um, match between um, New Japan and NOAA during that summertime, you know, uh, feud between the two. And they'd had a lot of heated eight-man tags on the undercards of the G1 that year involving Shibata. And uh, Nakajima and Marafuji had been the two representatives from NOAA in that year's G1. And so this was sort of like the tail end of that feud. And... uh, very, very heated. I, if you look at some of the names here, and the names on the uh, Noah side look a little more appealing than the names on the New <laughs> Japan side. But um, the dads had 
been teaming with Shibata on the undercard all throughout that summer to take on these Noah, you know, the Noah scum, the Noah trash. So <laughs> um, this one got four stars from Dave Meltzer at the time. It's got 7.34 on cage match. Um, you know, something cool and kind of different to check out this week. Nice. Definitely. We'll check it out. Have a little bit lighter week this week. So definitely we'll get the recommended match in for this week to review for next week. And so that's going to wrap things up for us this week here on keeping it strong style. Actually, you know what, man, even though that's the final one, do the one from the new Japan finals, 2016, that one's better. Okay. That's the one where we get the really, really heated stuff between Shibata and Nakajima. Let's do that one. It's okay. better. Okay. We'll go with that. Uh, so what's, what's the full matchup on that? Oh, it's uh, pretty much all the same names. Um, let me take a look here. So that one is um, August 14th, 2016. We had the team of Go Shiozaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Masakitamiya, Maibaku Tanaguchi. They took, they took on the team of Hiroshi Tenzan, Katsuyori Shibata, Manabu Nakanishi, and Yuji Nagata. That one's, uh, yeah, that one's much better. It's got better ratings, and Dave went four and a quarter on it at the time. Nice. We'll go with that and guess them guess all ready for Noah versus New Japan. And that's going to wrap things up here. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, be on the lookout for the year end awards ballot. Going to try and get that out sometime by the end of next weekend. Also, look out for a bonus episode. Like I mentioned we we'll break down all the nominees and all the categories for uh, this year's awards. And then we'll come back next week also and review the latest, the best of the Super Junior and World Tag League action. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter. The show is at Cash Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash social suplex. We're also in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we are at social suplex. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, jeremy at social suplex.com. Check out our Discord server. Link for that is in the show notes. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Social Suplex Podcast Network, for YouTube podcast clips. Check out all the other shows that we have here on Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.